Now we have Chaz Darby here. Now Chaz, you say all you want to do is be heard. Well, you've got the whole world listening. What do you got to say? Um, well, I guess all we have to say is that we want to be heard. Yeah, well, we've kind of established that. What else? A couple of months ago, we did an episode on Dog Day Afternoon for Pride Month. Sydney Lumet's now classic real-life story starring Al Pacino and John Casale, who take a bank hostage. Get the fuck back there! Get back there! What are you doing? Look at him with him! Get over there! Go on back there, man! Get over there! He wants to kill me so bad, he can taste it! I always gonna kill In the process, they become unlikely celebrities and heroes to many when the story hits the TV screen. Tonight, we're talking about a movie that takes the same premise and brings it into the music world. Give me back off! Get back, goddammit! Put those guns down! It's, uh, it's okay. You can, uh, you can get up. God damn it! get back! What the hell is this, man? You invited me to come out! Michael Lehman, the director of Heathers, is here with us again to talk about directing Adam Sandler, Brendan Fraser, and Steve Buscemi in Airheads. Oh, what? Will you shut up? Just get to the point. What? Well, he won this radio giveaway, and when he went down to the station, they wouldn't let him in the building. It was like this total security building. Rich Wilkes had written the screenplay for Airheads on spec as a big fan of Dog Day Afternoon. He and Todd Baker of Island Pictures pitched it to 20th Century Fox. They were fans of Heathers and wanted Michael Lehman to direct their film. Michael Lehman was a big fan of earlier rock music like Jimi Hendrix, but not as much the Guns N' Roses generation being parodied here. But getting a kick out of the screenplay and wanting to familiarize himself with this rock generation, he was in. Casting was a whole process. Lehman wanted to find actors who you wouldn't expect to be in a movie like this. Newer actors, different actors. Yeah. Yeah. I was editor of the school magazine. Yeah. I used to wear corduroy pants. Yeah. I used to masturbate constantly. Brendan Fraser had just had his breakout with Encino Man. Adam Sandler, famous for doing Opera Man on SNL, had not even starred in his first film yet. Hillary, advisor! Hillary, aggressive! Hillary, a power tripper! El Presidente, has puso with And Steve Buscemi, who two years earlier had been in Reservoir Dogs, was known for doing quirky indie movies. Fox didn't want to make as edgy a movie as Airheads could have been, opting instead for a tamer, more broader appeal. In the 90s, even things like a neck tattoo and a shirt that said blow me were too far for a mainstream movie. The supporting cast, from Michael Richards to Judd Nelson, Ernie Hudson, Chris Farley, and Michael McKean, it really is a cast full of hilarious actors. I've been having a little bit of uh, itching on my, um, I mean, it could be hemorrhoids. I don't want to hear that. No, I know. It's just that I made an appointment with my proctologist to get some type of cream or something. After trying and failing over and over again to get their music played, and even watching a far less talented rival band get spotted because they won a contest. The Sons of Thunder, for Christ's sake, Pavel. How can you even tell these bands apart? I read the trade. The Lone Rangers, yes, the three of them, decide to break into the local radio station, KPPX, to get their demo played. In the chaos, they accidentally take the radio station hostage with toy water guns. 
What do you suggest? Say something. They like you. Shut up, dick smoke. Chaz, come on. All right. Look, I know you would have been cool, but then this penis had to step in and get all heavy. Look, all I want to do is be heard, and then we're out of here. During the hostage situation, it's revealed that Michael McKean is planning on turning KPPX into a soft rock radio station called The Rain, which makes everyone even more sympathetic to the Lone Ranger's plight. Airheads is one of the classic comedies that turns up the madcap energy all the way. Tough, tough. Seriously, move it. I'm not scared. Come on. I'm going to stab your heads off. With what? With what? With my dick. Yeah. And blood's going to come out of your head. There's nothing you can do about it because I'm a madman. <laughs> anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Bretonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends have a new split EP with Lung called Adult Prom. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks, this Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Michael Lehman is a film and television director who has directed episodes of numerous TV shows, including Snowfall, American Horror Story, and Californication, and films like Heathers, Hudson Hawk, and, of course, Airheads. I, of course, am your host, whose birthday is today, so I better get some super chats. No, really, I better get some super chats. <laughs> Boris Miller. Officially, it's too loud. <laughs> Don't be too thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> what you can't see is Forrest actually has a gun to the audience's head uh, about getting those yeah. super chats. So. I better hey, get some super chats. If you if you don't send his super chats, Donald Trump is gonna be freed and all yeah. charges are gonna be dropped. I said, I said <laughs> Donald. If, if, yeah, it's, wow. Not get any High charges. stakes. There's there's ninety one there's ninety one charges and I'm turning ninety one today. So, <laughs> Michael, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for thank doing you. It. Uh, very happy to be back and happy birthday, happy birthday, Boris. So Thanks so much. Be the first. Um. So it cracks me up so much in this movie, the, the whole Adam Sandler bit where uh, Steve Buscemi is trying to get him to be more and more aggressive. And he's yeah. just like, and he's like, I'm going to rip your head off with my dick. Yeah. <laughs> like more than any other line, I think, in this whole movie. That's the, it's the classic. And it's the first, it's the first movie that uh, Adam Sandler ever had a starring role in, right? It's like casting. Yeah, I, I think the, so. Yeah. yeah. He, he was on SNL and, um, you know, he was popular and. We all loved him, but I remember there was a lot of discussion before we cast him of like, well, you know, is he, is he going to be a breakout movie actor the way a lot of people have been on SNL? Is he ready? Is this the right thing for him? I think I was always pretty much on board, um, and it wasn't a difficult decision to make, you know. But yeah, he hadn't done. He he was in um, 
Shakes the Clown. Um, Shakes the Clown, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. And, and he might, he, I think he must have been in something else, but I'm not sure I saw anything else. I think uh, and, um, Coneheads, yeah. right? Coneheads was uh, a year or Coneheads two before. Must have been before that. Yeah. yeah. I think so. But like yeah. as, a, as a small part, I remember yeah. watching Coneheads like when I was probably too young to watch Coneheads. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. that, that was a movie that. It, everybody kind of felt like it was going to be a lot bigger than it actually ended up being. Yeah. Coneheads. Yeah. Coneheads. And it was like, I, was I, like, I don't know why you feel the... like that. That skit yeah. is like a thousand years old, but okay. My, my dad was sure like I one of the big it. fans though. He, he found that like, he found it absolutely hilarious. I still remember him being like, ah? Ah? and we'd be like, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen yeah. this yet. Like, oh, my, my dad <laughs> loved, loved doing Coneheads bits of me. A huge hit for the Red Hot Chili Peppers with the, with the, yeah. with the, the, the soundtrack was a killer, which, which also brings me to Airhead soundtrack was also a killer. So, you know, can we, yeah. uh, can, can we, can we speak about that? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I, I like how the diegetic music, right? It's, it's like the, the Reagan youth song, but it's like basically most a white zombie that's not Rob Zombie. Uh, right. play it right and then and Brendan singing yeah it's uh you know the whole musical thing on that on that movie was weird because we were making what was considered by the rock people a kind of too mainstream a movie you know right that, yeah th this is something I was running across a lot in my early career with them you know I try to put really good music in my movies and Sometimes the bands would just say, fuck you, you know, we're not doing that, <laughs> that Hollywood sellout stuff. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, you go, no, 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 really, this stuff is good. But when you're making comedies and you, I was, I was surprised to find out how many, um, you know, really good rock and rollers had a very, very high opinion of the quality of their work and where they stood in culture. Right. And so it's like, you can't put our music in a comedy because that somehow takes away from it's subversive nature and all. And I was like, you guys, you don't get it. And it was frustrating. I sometimes would try to beg the artists to let us use their songs. And, but on Airheads, because, because it was a rock and roll movie, but it was being made by 20th Century Fox, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, we, we had sort of had to tread lightly in order to approach the bands the right way and get their involvement. Um, and it, it worked out. I, I remember, I'll get this out of the way right away because it's still, irritates the shit out of me is that we had originally cut the the montage where they're all having fun in the radio station uh you know we cut that to caught stealing by jane's addiction oh and, really you know and it worked yeah. it worked really well it was really like really that. good so i said let's get that song and everybody said okay we'll look into it yeah and perry farrell you know who was the leader of jane's addiction was like no i'm not gonna let my my art go into this shitty comedy freaking founder and, of Lollapalooza and yeah I mean come uh, on Perry. yeah yeah but entourage and, is okay entourage is a right right <laughs> this is the thing that you, you can't I I could never figure it out like I uh on a I did a movie called 40 days and 40 nights and we had cut a sequence to a track by a band that was getting its first record release it was called Coldplay and I thought they were, I thought they were okay, you know, but yeah. pretentious and, you know, but, but the scene worked great. Right. So I said, let's get, let's get this. And I was like, oh no, Coldplay. So they would never sell out. And now I watch TV and I see <laughs> DHL ads with Coldplay. <laughs> the, the, Go, Not even oh, FedEx, DHL. Right, right. Yeah. DHL. Oh, I'm sorry. You're too good for, for my movies, but yeah, you're yeah. not too good for DHL, although I'm sure they get paid a 
fuckload of money. <laughs> well, and, and and okay, so and and that's uh, it's interesting to place it within a time because this is very much a '90s movie. This is very much in that time of like everybody was worried about. They weren't worried about selling out so much as being called a sellout, right? That was a yeah, big for thing. Sure. And trying to explain this, I, I feel like whenever I have anybody on on my show uh, from from that era, I feel like I have to establish the context early on for the younger listeners because that idea is just gone. It's just it's good, totally gone. Does not exist anymore. Like, and it's and arguably, like, it was pretty is pretty absurd. Andy Armie, by the way, um, I it was kind of like ridiculous anyway because it just it did prevent a lot of like cool stuff from happening based on like. Oh well, we if we won't be cool, like it won't be viewed as artistic if we if we do this. Like you're talking about being in a comedy, and and to be clear, this is about what ten years out from Spinal Tap, right? About, uh, roughly about ten years. Uh, no, I don't. I think it was might have been closer to Spinal Tap than ten. Um, but yeah, Spinal Tap would have been early eighties, right? Like 80s? I feel like that was that was like the first chink in the armor of like it's okay to like lampoon this. Nineteen eighty four. 1984. Yeah, okay, 84. cool. All right. That's, which and uh, we also just talked about uh, tape heads, which is right in the center. Tape heads would have been the tape, other way. Which, yeah, another example of great needle drops, right? Like great kind of like bizarre. I mean, a Devo. There's there's sensibly a Devo song yeah. played by like you friend know, the, of the show, the new wave band. Yeah, exactly. Friend of the show, Jerry Casale. Uh, so, the idea, yeah, that ultimately. You have, <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, literally 1984, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that you're you're trying to basically have the music be like one of the characters in here. By the way, I forgot that there's a almost note for note four non blondes cover of a Van Halen song on here. That just I yeah. forgot about it completely. Same. <laughs> like Linda Perry I mean, can we, sing. We, let's be yeah. let's be clear, and they they can rock. But I was like, I was like, this is this is definitely Van Halen, but this isn't Van Halen. I was like. Four non blondes, really, and I somehow just forgot about that. <laughs> right, we were trying to. We got some good stuff in that soundtrack, and there was a lot of work into you know finding interesting takes on stuff, and yeah, uh, and it turned out really well. So you know, I'll stop I mean, complaining. About it, it was my well. introduction to the Ramones, so like like that alone yeah. is is just legend right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was also. I think back then it was still during the time when people could make a lot of money off of soundtrack albums. You know, sure. Uh, that's of course. You know, that's all. Dashboard Killers, all Crow, things. those are huge. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, the Pulp Fiction yeah. soundtrack. Like, Pulp everybody Fiction? has that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it yeah. basically brought back Dick Dale's career. You know, for real. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. We, we had a uh, like speaking of the soundtrack on this. We had like Reagan Youth jump into the mentions <laughs> of the yeah. of the show uh, when we when we talked about how we're doing this <laughs> and like provided an article. Um, I'll, I'll I'll try to pull it up at one point, but it's like, a lot of information. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a big, uh, yeah. Michael, what's your what's like, can you can you can you this, give us like a take on that? Yeah, it, I don't want you to bog down my, the show. Right, no, but it is interesting because I was really preoccupied with the idea of how are we going to come up with this song? You know, the whole right. movie revolves around their song. So the question is, should the song be really shitty? But then does that undercut everything we've done? Is that like a right, is right. like a shaggy dog story? It's a bad joke. Well, no. So we didn't want to do that. 
And you get the little tease of it like multiple times throughout it, which is kind of amazing, right? Like playing it in the car and you hear like the first, the the iTunes snippet and then they're playing it on the radio and you get the little like lead up to it. It's like the... Because the quarter inch, because my first thing as someone that started recording, I'm old enough to like, you know, like we mixed down a quarter inch tape and I was like, they have the quarter inch tape? Like, oh man, what if that gets damaged? And it's like, oh yeah, of course it does get damaged. Like almost immediately. (laughs) Uh, but, But then we didn't want to make the song to be so good you know, like slick that it would, then the movie would be a sellout. It would be like, Oh, yeah. there's some, you know, yeah. so we, we were trying to figure out what the song should be that would be appropriate for that group of guys. And that would feel authentic to them, but also be good natured and, and actually have spirit to it. So we went, we went through a ton of choices and it was a huge problem because at some point we were going to have to shoot them playing, it, you know, in prison. And so I, I don't. I took a long time to to land on that song, and I think to, at some point somebody brought it in, and said it's called Degeneration, and it's you know this band is. It sounds like these four guys would be. I don't think I knew anything about Raven Youth at that point. I think right. it was brought to us by another band, um, and we previewed it and thought about it and said, yeah, this feels like it fits the movie. Let's let's do it. And then the guys went into the studio and actually recorded it, our guys, right. um, and, and did it to playback in, in the scene. But it was a, that was my issue. Anything about who wrote the song or, or even, I, I think I knew the, the name of the band Reagan Youth, but I wasn't familiar. I don't think I was familiar with their music. So was I it, didn't know anything Rob about Zombie that, that uh, brought the, because I know that like Rob Zombie was kind of hanging around. It wasn't Rob Zombie. I think it was uh, somebody from White Zombie. I think it was. I think. Well, it's. That, again, we should just throw that article in the chat so people check this out because I think it's interesting on its yeah. own, right? But like ultimately, it's kind of like a no harm, mostly no harm, no foul situation, other than the fact of who actually should get credit for writing the song, which. Right. Got worked out eventually, right? It got worked out eventually, but it, it took it took a little bit to get there. But also because like some of it wasn't presented maybe in the way that it it should have, you know, yeah. whatever. Okay, fine. But the version that's in, uh, and, and this is something that happens a lot with music movies. We've talked about this, right? Of like you have like the version that's in the movie, right? Like you have like the great. Uh, um, Velvet Goldmine's a great example, right? There's like the the all the David Bowie songs are written by uh, Craig Wedren and uh, the, the, the carpenter for sure, I think. And um, and you can, like, listen to the versions that are then, but people want to hear the version that's, like, sung by the actor, the version that's on the movie. Yeah. That, that's, it's like, no, that, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, like, that. And so then you get into a situation of, like, okay, then – this gets into a really boring topic about uh, publishing, by the way, which is, is uh, yeah. deeply fascinating for me as someone who gets publishing, but like, <laughs> but like for most people, not very interesting at all, uh, because right. the whole music world is obtuse and bizarre. But what it comes down to is like when it's uh, something like this, where it's like made specific for the film and it's a specific version, the rights are different than it is if it's, if it's the original version or even the right. cover that it was on there. That's that's for the non musicians in the crowd. That's what I'm gonna throw out. Thank there. you, Conan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> music ex- expert. He knows music. What can, what, what can I, I do? I mean, oh, I've, I've, got, I've gotten paid both ways. Let me tell you, one's better than the other. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he's a regular. Uh, he's a regular music man over here. <laughs> exactly. But I think that it's it's. But you're right, Michael, because like there's an idea whether it's like uh, like a fart, like a joke on them. Or a joke with them if the song's any good, 
It right. changes we the entire want, movie. Yeah. We didn't want to make fun of them. We felt yeah. like that wasn't fair to the characters that we were presenting. And, you know, the, the, one of the things that was great about them is that they believed in themselves. And so if you have them believe in themselves and they're really, uh, like, irredeemably shitty as musicians, <laughs> it's, that joke wears out real fast. Right. You know, yeah. and it's kind of obvious. But if they're pretty good, you know, if their spirit comes through and they've got a genuine kind of rebellious feel to them, but they're not like these guys are never going to be huge stars based on yeah. that particular song. That's right. But, I, you know, the big question was, what does that do to our movie? You know, is it good enough? Should should we have the song be amazing? And then people go, wow, they were really good. But then also you can't predict if a song is going to feel like it's amazing. Obviously everybody who releases a song thinks it's going to be amazing. No, nope. we every time, aiming, man, every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we were aiming to have there's a too good. <laughs> Go ahead, Andy. What were we going to say? Watched uh, a couple years ago. I, I uh, ended up getting a short film from uh, uh, at, at an event at a recording studio. And so most of the audience was uh, actual like working musicians um, uh, and Jane Weedland for some reason. Uh, no, Jane, no, no, sorry. Sorry, let me take that back. It was Jane Yolen, uh, the, the the children's book writer. Those are wildly um, different Janes. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. very, very. J Jane Yolen. She was and then there's Jane's Addiction. addiction. Yes. yes. <laughs> you just can't get enough there of them. Is. Yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. do those Janes. Mainline um, them Janes. Yeah. yeah. But but uh, uh, the, it, it's, the movie itself is really good. Uh, Pony with uh, starring Dandre Berkeley. But the problem with the movie is that the song at the end of it, which is supposed to be like his, he has this creative uh, crisis as a musician through the whole movie uh, has a breakthrough by by making a connection with this little girl and, and um, records what's supposed to be a really good song. The song is shit. It is garbage. Yeah. And it doesn't and like, work I bet. Yeah. And everybody after the movie is like, man, I love this movie, but that scene, at the, the, once they played the song it just like ruined it for me. <laughs> well, I, so, yeah. so I'm glad, I'm glad you guys uh, you well, Basically what you're saying is Call you Jesse Pinkman because you're mainlining those Janes. Is that what you're exactly, saying? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, but it's but I think it's also notable too that like uh, you know the conceit of <laughs> of of the band is that like you know it's like oh all we need is that the one obstacle we have is that like we'll just get airplay and then riches and it's sort of like you know like the South Park bit like the middle step is yeah. question mark and then it's like riches and fame yeah. after that. Well, but which, I mean, which was very common. Uh, in, in the 90s and, and and ultimately actually was possible. But what I like about the film is that by the end of it, like, you know, the, the epiphany is like, well, no, we're going to do this because we like doing this and we're th this is what we like to do, which is so great because so many movies that depict the quote unquote music industry, they never get beyond that. Well, we get signed and then, you know, almost famous, then becomes almost famous. OK, well, yeah. great. Except for the fact that there's a whole. Uh, middle class and lower middle class and like you know struggling working class of musicians that are it doesn't make it any less worthwhile doesn't make the music any less valid and to have that kind of turnaround of have them question their own motives and be like happier about the journey being the destination you know that that's actually very impactful like especially in, in a film that you know has a lot of silly things going on well there's also i mean there's that band like gods of thunder or whatever right that they're like yeah. they go to the show gods and they see thunder, right, yeah. they like they like win the contest or something you know what i mean and like get to play and like that does feel like that story right like it feels like yeah. they won that contest somebody played their song and then like despite the fact that that band does fucking suck and nobody wants to even <laughs> hear it like 
their their <laughs> one song was was the breakout, right? Like it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and so and that's and, and two things, which is that um, and I've talked about this on Jason's show when he's, when he's had me and Jason Miles fit on the show uh, of uh, being like you know how there's no working class in America, just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. There's no working bands in America, just temporarily embarrassed superstars. That also works. Uh, and then uh, Stevie in the comments throws this out, not to mention the band's music was concerned to go out of style around this time via grunge and alternative rock. True, but that, I think that's why it works because it's sort of like these guys are sort of like wrapped up in their own world. You know, Steve Buscemi is working at the the the. At the store, toy store. <laughs> the toy store, <laughs> and which which is the whole impetus for how they have these like re- realistic looking squirt guns. So it's like an important part of the plot, right? It's not just like a throwaway guy. Yeah. And then you got Brendan Fraser, who uh, many thirsty posts about Brendan Fraser, by the way, uh, that is just like <laughs> one of those guys, one of those LA guys. that just like like what is his, his girlfriend like, just gonna go right around the strip all day? You're exhausted from that, you know, like. But like that's what dudes like that would do. It's like, oh, you're just like a professionally handsome dude on a motorcycle, right on. Yeah, doing doing yeah. Looney Tune shit apparently, like trying to walk into <laughs> the fucking uh, behind yeah. all the kids, being like, yeah. I, they'll pay attention to the kids. They're not going to pay attention to me, like the, yeah. the large man with long hair that's walking into the like, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, like seven foot tall dude that was <laughs> exactly. cool hat, so we can hide behind him. You know, thanks, thanks for. Those guys, they had hats were real. The, they they really were. Boy, were they? Were they? Especially the if you're at a movie theater, hats, yeah. I used to flip out. If I saw someone with a cat in the hat hat come in, I'd be like, take that off right now. <laughs> I'm going to throw in a bit of trivia here that one of the cat in the hat hat guys was Winona Ryder's brother. Really? That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's, that yeah. rocks. I love that. That's great. Was he, wait, was he the guy shepherding in the 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 kids that were? He's like, come on, you're gonna, you know, you gotta you gotta play this off. Like, yeah, I can't remember. Where, where, which one he is in the in the movie now? But I know that he was one of the guys. I said, no. He's the one with the tallest. We'll just go. Yeah, with he's that. one with the hat. <laughs> so, but it's also occurs to me too, and we've talked about this like a little bit. Is that like look at look look at the primary cast, right? Like. Sibashemi is like. It, by the way, is it Bashemi or Basimi? I've I've heard it said like every which way, and I should know. Buscemi. I'm a big fan. Is it Bashemi? Okay. Yeah. I've always said Bashemi. You would freaking you you would know. I don't know. You know. <laughs> Maybe it says he never told you. me it was any different. But. Uh, like, kind of at the peak of his power. Like, I, like I'm a big fan of like uh, living in oblivion, which he, which he did a couple years later, which I think For is sure. just absolutely genius and hilarious. But it's such a different type of like it, it's for his first foray into what he basically became known for which is as a fantastic character actor right yeah and yeah, he had um i'd seen his stuff in independent films and i really you know i loved him i thought he was great and and i remember one day i said hey i've got an idea you know for for uh for one of the characters let's get steve buscemi and everybody looked at me like you're fucking out of your mind <laughs> yeah. because first of all he means nothing in you know in this world and right. box all, office he, receipts yeah right and, and this is wow. a comedy and i said but he's really funny and yes that so it was it was a struggle i mean it was hard for me to get him cast and it was hard for me to convince him to do the movie he was very agreeable but i had to go take him to lunch and talk to him and say look this i think you work great in this movie i'd love you to do it and here's why you know um, had, had you was, seen uh, Reservoir Dogs at that point? Because this is coming out like what, like two I'm, years after. I it was definitely out. 
I must have seen it. I had also, uh, a friend of mine, uh, a guy named Kiva Rosenfeld, did a, a movie called 20 Bucks. That was 20 Bucks, film. yeah. You know 20 Bucks? I do. Wow. Yeah. Which I have not thought really, of that movie in a very long time. Yes. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> Kiva, who directed it, um, and uh, Karen Murphy, who was the producer, who also produced Spinal Tap, um, they were buddies of mine. And I'd seen that film, and I thought Steve was great in it. And yeah. Brendan was in it. Brendan had a small part in it. That's right, yeah. So um, I remember talking to um, to Kiva and saying, well, so what's Steve like? Is he good to work with? He said, oh, no, he's a great guy. And, you know, so I, I contacted him directly and um, talked to him about being in the movie, and he was agreeable. Um, and then I had to convince the studio, which is, you know, really, really hard. <laughs> Um, that, and one of the, one of the issues was that the studio didn't think he was going to be funny. And, and they said right. to me, you know, we're not making reservoir dogs here. So I remember them <laughs> as if that's that. like the one thing he can do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, one note. and I said like, yeah, you're not making reservoir dogs, unfortunately, because if we were, we'd be making a brilliant fucking movie and, you know, don't hold that up as an example of what you're not doing because you'd be we'd all be lucky, be lucky if this movie was that good and um and but they told me that and they were kind of like we don't know about this in the meantime after the movie was shot but before it came out uh pulp fiction came out and the studio said to me we need to make more movies like pulp fiction I'm like you, you assholes. You told me, <laughs> you told me the beginning of this that you weren't going to make anything like Reservoir Dogs, and at the end right. of it, you say you got to make movies like Pulp Fiction. So my, uh, my see, but that my one film, made money. So there yeah, you go. <laughs> my my film my film professor like uh, in in college, he like um, he graduated like you know doing his undergraduate or whatever like the year I think it was the year after Reservoir Dogs came out. And he banned us all from doing like anything with guns in uh, any of like the short films we made because he said his last year everybody did a shootout and tried to do like their version of like Reservoir yeah. Dogs pretty much. So, and was, like, it wasn't just students too; actual directors yeah. did that as well. I'm not gonna name names, but we all know who they are. Mm -hmm. Thank you. No, so but it was it was like it was like a really <laughs> funny moment to realize like yeah like this was such a like a culturally ubiquitous like yeah. Tarantino fucking uh, sweep I guess between those two movies that like every film student obviously is still trying to do the thing where it's like a bunch of people sitting around a uh, a place all like. You know, like yeah. pointing guns at each other. Learning the wrong lessons yet again, as we have discussed recently. <laughs> Just learning yeah. all of the wrong lessons. Uh, I don't think this works without Steve, frankly. No. Like, no. I, I, th yeah. I think that he's so key to like that. And like, he's he's really he's really good in this in a way that, again, he's like the glue that kind of keeps it together. Otherwise, it's sort of like, I feel like, I, I think Adam Sandler is great in this. I, honestly, yes. maybe yeah. my third favorite role of his that's like uncut gems yeah yeah uh punch drunk love and airheads would probably be my top well one. you know happy gilmore is a very funny movie happy gilmore is great it would be a fourth it'd yeah. be a solid so, film. and, and r.i.p bob barker thank you yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i i, I think like watching all the steve buscemi movies i mean between like reservoir dogs fargo like it's it's very funny to see uh him coaching adam sandler who this is obviously like his first starring yeah. role through the like tough guy thing where you know i mean I, I already mentioned the you know that part of it but it's 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 very funny because he's always like he's always like a very effete tough guy right like he's he's not yeah. quite uh you know he hasn't quite got it but he's got it like enough 
that he can kind of coach like a. It's also a snack, apparently. So there you go. But he can oh, like, he like coach like an Adam Sandler type, uh, like kids to like to, to hold a gun and you know like because that's because that's usually in the Steve Buscemi movie, right? Like he's he's holding the gun and he he manages to get the person like ransomed or whatever, and then all hell breaks loose because he doesn't know what to do from there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I I should say Steve Buscemi is he is a, such a good actor. I mean, he at just simply actor chops. That guy nails it on the first take every time. I've never in my life more often said, okay, uh, cut after take one and thought to myself, I don't, I don't think there's anything else we need here, you know? And sometimes I'd say to Steve, just, just do another one. You know, <laughs> that was perfect, but do another one so we have a choice in the cutting room just in case, you know, there are various things that just change. And um, he never, ever, ever needed to be kind of work. He never needed to work through a scene. And that scene with Adam, which I think is one of the funniest moments in the movie and really good. You know, I just pointed a camera at them. I think the camera moves in on them while they're while they're doing it. It's one take. Um, we probably did two takes and that was it, you know, because they're both so good. How much is their chemistry? So good. Like how that that scene, I mean, like how much of that is because it's so it's so Adam Sandler. Like there's there's two moments in there that are so Adam Sandler. There's number one, there's that. Number two, there's uh he he there's the cop, there's the guy in Grandma's Boy that's his friend, yeah. and he goes yeah. out and he's like doop, 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 doing the fucking Adam Sandler thing and then runs yeah. back inside. Those two <laughs> moments, I think, are just like the peak of like uh you know like '90s Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think all that stuff, I think the scene with Steve, um, you know, where he coaches him to be a tough guy, I'm pretty sure that was scripted exactly with those words. You know, I don't think there was any improv in, in the words. I, you'd have to go back and check the script. But Adam, of course, brings his whole, you know, his whole flavor to it very much and really owns that. The scene in, where he's doing the imitation thing with the cop, that was a bit that we worked out really with with um his friend whose name uh, escapes me he's a great guy the grandma's we worked boy that guy. out yeah, yeah. Grandma's, grandma's boy, boy. guy yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, <laughs> who kind uh, of vaguely looks like mel gibson but right. <laughs> vaguely looks like mel gibson he was a, he was a really good guy he was uh, one of adam's buddies and he was riley he said let's put him in the movie and, um but they worked that out there you know while we were shooting it and that was a lot of fun actually i think adam always felt like he didn't get quite enough opportunity to do his thing, um, you know, that he did on SNL and that he did as stand-up, uh, that he was playing a part more in this early part of the career. That's not really what he wanted to do. He wanted to be him. Um, so it was, you know. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be mad at him helping his unemployed friends find work. Uh, apparently, no, no. Adam Sandler's newest film that uh, I think stars his daughters is like his freshest, like on like Rotten Tomatoes, uh, like at like ninety six. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, I'm like, he's actually having a moment right now. Like when he actually does some of these serious or heartwarming projects, it's like critics love it and and audiences love it, and I'm like, good for him. Well, we yeah, did so, uncut gems, he, and like guy. it's that's he, like a masterclass of stress, and he's amazing in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so this and it was perfect, snubbed uh, because people thought they knew what it was going to be, and they didn't watch. Yeah, it. this is like, like, oh, excuse to bring this clip in that I found. Um, you know, Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler kind of were, were having their moments at the same time, right when he like returned with the whale. So mm -hmm. they were doing press, 
And uh, the, the I think first... you mean uh, Oscar winner Brendan Fraser, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. So best. So uh, so they they were doing that. they were doing they were doing press. Uh, you could see that he's in the process of losing his whale weight in, in this uh, in this clip, I think. But they had Adam sure. Sandler. Yeah. I think he I think he did that movie Hustle, and Brendan Fraser was uh, doing press for the whale. So they had um, them interview each other. And they talked about airheads as like the first uh, thing, like revisiting it. Nice. That's and awesome. They they uh you know they name drop Michael Eamon in here too. And uh... <laughs> let's let's listen to it. Time I hosted SNL before yeah. I did the monologue. Lauren walked up to me just oh. before we went live, and he's going to be a very good Lauren. He says, "No, it's uh, it's all about confidence." And then he just turned and walked away. Don't try and be funny. Just buy into the reality. Believe in yourself. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, Brendan Fraser. How do you say it now? Fraser. Like I'm going to say Fraser anyway. Let me say Fraser. But I don't want to. Nobody's ever got my name. Brendan Fraser. See, it didn't sound right. It felt good, though. All right. I'll as long as right. they're saying it. The bad hips is set. It's good hip now. This is a bit better hip. You're right. You're right. Thank you. Thank you. You got your knee surgery how long ago? A year ago? You sixteen. Oh, in sixteen, right? Yeah. And you're moving like a champ. Yeah. Now you don't even think about it. No pain. When I first met Brendan Fraser, who we're talking—that's your full name, right, Brendan it's, Fraser? It's Fraser. Fraser. I think you shave with a razor. <laughs> You should try standing yeah. closer to it. I know. <laughs> I didn't even know this happened. I didn't. This you is two days. Up. Two days of not shaving. But Brendan, you were in a movie called Airheads. Remember when I discovered you? Yes. I you were just a kid. Do. Remember when Paulie discovered you and I stole you from Paulie and said, "Get on over here." Is that how it shook out? Get out of here. What one first? Airheads or Encino Man? Encino Man. See, and then I saw you, and I was like, "This guy shouldn't just be caveman. He should be in a band." <laughs> And, I did not, and then what? Yeah. Then you went to Michael? Michael Lehman was very against you. He was like, I don't get it. Are I don't see the me? caveman being in this movie. And I just said, he can do other shit. Are you pulling my chain right now? 100%. And I eventually went to his house like four in the morning, woke him up. And he's like, who are you? I said, never mind that. But just know that Adam Sandler ain't going to be in Airheads unless old <laughs> Frazier is in it. So he changed his little tune. You flew out to Chicago to meet me. I don't remember all that shit. I just remember the. Well, he, he's saying a different tune then. For well, he's a liar. He's a filthy liar. <laughs> he didn't want you. I did, and the rest is uh, pretty good. You had a good life, costume. Yeah, yeah, way Thank to go. You. My pleasure, man. You kidding me? I was pulling for you. I kept saying, and Paulie sure was against it. He <laughs> kept saying, just in case we do Encino too, I don't want him doing other shit. And I said, yeah. don't yeah. do that. To That's Paulie. Very Polly wanted to be in Airheads. <laughs> he did. He wanted Arquette's part. He did. Of course, he did. Wow. Yeah. Scandalous. Yeah, you you know that's entirely not true, right? Yes, because it says you want to answer <laughs> these scurious. Yeah, it, but, it, but it's a great but it's a great clip. You know, oh, Michael Lehman responds to Adam Sandler and and uh, Brendan yeah. Brendan Frazier. Yeah, Frazier. Uh, Brendan was cast before Adam. So <laughs> that's which so is why know. it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I did fly to Chicago to tell him, you know, Brendan, I to talk to him and get him into the movie. And um, 
I wasn't even aware. I don't remember that that Polly Shore had any interest in the film. I, I just I didn't think he was right for our cast. And um, uh, but you know everybody on that movie did get along incredibly well. It was a one of those unusual cases where, in fact, that you know the ensemble of actors were all very friendly. They got in, and uh, you know Buscemi and Sandler are best friends to this day, and they met on that film, and. Um, you know, it was a it was a really amazing group of people, but it, it's I, well, I saw that clip. You know, I was like, "What? Are you kidding? Me? Oh, <laughs> you never came to my house at four in the morning." <laughs> he was cast after Brendan was cast. Immediately get uh, to your Substack to go rebut it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, but you know, I I hoped that uh, Brendan didn't think that was true because he's, in fact, he, it seems like he did. But I mean, he's also I think an he did for a moment. actor. He's also you know just I mean? in like, like Sandler world, you know. He's just getting along with a bit. You know? yeah. But, yeah. I, but yeah. I'm but saying Sam- like he's he's also an Oscar-winning actor, so I don't like yeah. I don't know what to believe. You know what I mean? Like he's uh yeah. I should we got to pull up this uh the super chat this movie is an absolute classic, and then happy birthday to me and uh, for giving the extremely objectionable being Italian for today, which is good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> very very generous of them. The the Italian part I'm talking about, not the money. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I, Michael, do you, do you keep up with these guys at all? Like, have you have you kept up with with any of the people in this? Because there's a lot of them. Run. Besides, their yeah, run, of course, you know, right? of course, yeah. <laughs> the um, not a whole lot, but yeah. you know, whenever we cross our paths, I mean, I I run across Sandler every once in a while. He's always very uh, fun to be around, and Buscemi, I run across him a fair amount. I never never worked with these guys again, but it was all very friendly and happy. And Brendan, I, you know, I had sent him a note when he won the Academy Award, uh, or before that, when I saw the movie. You know, yeah, I stayed more in touch with them right in the years after after the film. Sure, yeah. Then, I mean, you know, you have to realize this was over thirty a while years ago. ago. It was a long time yeah. ago. Was I, I, I was in I, I was in high school, and like uh, two Same. of the people on this panel weren't born. I was yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It was baby. I mean, it, it makes. It Andy makes actually perfect. looked exactly the same, though. Yeah, it makes Ray, Ray perfect, and all. Uh, <laughs> birthday birthday film for me because it's 1994, the same year I was born. Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah. yeah, but we we were shooting it before that. Probably shooting it in '93, I would think. Yeah, maybe I, we hey. shot it early '94. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was but, my uh, it was my senior year of high school that I saw this in the theater. So there yeah. you go. That that, that age well, that's. Yeah. Uh, this uh, Brendan Fraser, Adam Sandler <laughs> thing, they they go on in this. I know, to, I'm old. They go on in to say that it was like the best, the best time they've ever been on a set. Oh, yeah, they they had fun. Yeah, and it, it seems like in this this crazy this crazy interview that uh, like right after this verges into talking about uh, George of the Jungle or whatever. With, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I forgot about that. Yeah, which I guess was the role that Brendan Fraser did right after. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure was. Yeah. We got to send one person out. I'll go. One of the hostages, Doof. Sorry. But not me, man. <laughs> it's just too cool. You were the leader of the band? Of uh, the Lone Rangers. The Lone Rangers. Rangers? That was a joke in the movie. Yes. You pluralized. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the Lone Rangers. Do you remember the name of our song? Yeah, Degenerated. That's right. I have a cassette at home, actual cassette <laughs> of, of the demo that we did with Rob Zombie. That's sick. Serious. That's sick. 
found it in a, a box of crap at my desk. That was one of the best shoots of my life, without a really doubt. Great. It was the best. Just time. up all night. Yes, so many for nights. Weeks on end. We would drive to the Fox lot, get there like around four thirty yeah, or something. Sun's at going night. down. Sun's going down. We'd have our snacks, get into our clothes, do our scenes, and man, was that the best party of all time. That's that plaza. It was the Die yes, Hard. The Die Hard. That's what we were so excited that they yeah. shot Die Hard there. We took it very serious. You took it. You took it very serious. I did. You, I took myself very seriously. But, but you took acting very serious ever since I know you. It's not like a light, fun movie, like just let's have a good time. You took every line, every scene. It meant a lot. I remember watching you actually improvising while on film, which was a big deal. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, because Lehman would go, just, you know, go, 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 go. Really? And as long as, yeah. And uh, right. you, how much you left in the magazine? Oh, we got about 90 seconds. Okay, Adam. Go. Oh, that's funny. It was thrilling to watch because we take that kind of for granted now that things are digital and you can just turn on oh, like right. a light switch. We and... shot on film, but we I stuck mostly with what he told me to say. Yeah. It was good. Rich Wilkes wrote the script. Rich Wilkes. And we loved him. He was the only guy taller than you. That's true. I, I think he was the real life Chaz Darby. Yes, yes, yes. The yeah. first day of work, he came up and he said, man, your hair looks awesome. <laughs> what do they do for me, man? What was it? A gluey wig? Oh, yeah, it was gaff quad. I got my head shellacked right underneath a wig, yeah. and then this thing screwed on, and then pins crossed over. Oh, right, it was a right. form. So it's a headache, guaranteed. Guaranteed headache. hat you cannot take off. Right, right. Plus right. headband. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was worth it. Yeah, you looked like a hundred percent rock and roll. And Steve yeah. did too. He had <laughs> the sleeves. Yeah. He had a Betty Boop tattoo. Yes, sort of, he did. Sort of That's nudie. Right. And every night. Before he went home to his his oh, two year old Lucian, yeah, he would have it removed. Yeah, he, he didn't, didn't want to scare his little boy. No, Daddy didn't. didn't get a tattoo while you were gone. Well, not of a another a lady, not of a woman that's not mommy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was sweet. Some controversial truths in that clip. Apparently, being a wig is uh, pretty traumatic for oh. some folks in the oh, chat. Oh yeah, <laughs> everyone's like, no, that's nah, they were look. good. They were good wigs because you could not tell. Yeah, and they spent a lot of time every day in in hair, you know, getting that wig on. Was, yeah, th this uh, is all natural uh, chat, so you know, don't worry. Exactly, yeah. don't worry. Andy does not wear a wig. Correct. Well, when I, he, uh, he went on to the George of the Jungle right afterwards, and he also has the long hair. I mean, it's different. His bangs, yeah. I guess, kind of. But <laughs> right, right. Uh, white zombies in this in yeah. this film. But it wasn't originally White Zombie, was it? I think it was supposed to be Cannibal Corpse. Is that, or is that just internet? Uh, not that I remember, but that's, it's possible. Uh, you know, this was the thing where also they're coming to me saying, these are the bands we can get, this is what we right. can do. And uh, I don't remember anybody other than White Zombie for that. And I well, love those guys. And they were really, it was interesting. Rob was very quiet and... Yeah. He, he just would sort of hang out, hang out on the set. He didn't really want to have anything to do with anybody. He was not unfriendly, but he was very quiet. And when he became a director later, I thought, wow, he, you know, I wonder what he thought yeah. watching us make what was, you know, essentially a, a regular straight ahead Hollywood kind of movie. Um, I figure he must have learned a few things watching how it was done and probably had a good time. But he was in his own head a lot. Um, Shauna, the bass player, and, She's right. and the guitarist. Yeah, th they were really cool, and they were more kind of they were friendlier and more into 
just sort of hanging out and talking and that sort of thing while we were doing the work. But um, yeah, it was fun. And then to shoot them, they performed. They performed that song. And I kept saying, I can't understand a word that Rob is singing. I don't know what he's saying. Well, then it's lucky it wasn't Cannibal Corpse because you still wouldn't know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Because White Zombie sounds like uh, Billy Joel by comparison. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Um, yeah, so but but it's it's interesting because like that that's a good uh, example of it being sort of like grounded in this music world, right? It's sort of like especially at that time that you know you have these these aspirational uh, dudes that are that are trying to like make something of themselves musically and like to have not just like a made for the screen band but have like a real band playing seems to be very important. Yeah, we did a lot of you know we went to a lot of the clubs and and sort of in the scene on Sunset Boulevard and the whole sort of hair rock thing just to make sure that we were being authentic because it wasn't really my rock and roll scene. I was actually a few years ahead of that. and didn't, you know, I was like, yeah, I see these guys in LA, but this is not where, these are not the concerts that I go to uh, generally. And so we had, we had a really good time doing a lot of research. Um, I, you know, th- there was an executive at Fox, a guy named Michael London, who is uh, gone on to become a producer. He's a, he's a really good producer. He he had been a music critic at one point. He was really, really into it. And Rich Wilkes was very, uh, you know, really into punk more than anything, um, but had, you know, a, a lot of rock and roll interest. And so it was great to be with these guys and to, to learn about the bands and go and watch them and sort of say, okay, we're not we're not going to we're not going to betray the real spirit of what that rock scene was about, even though, as somebody pointed out, that that kind of that particular brand of rock and roll was already going out of fashion. Right. And, um, you know, there were other things happening. That... So uh, two things, first of all, from the chat phrase phrase for days uh, says <laughs> Airheads is going to be 30 next year. Would have loved a 30th anniversary edition with directors and writers commentary and updated special features. Yeah. Hey, but they don't, you know, I don't know who makes those choices. Uh, I don't know either. You know, it's a a, Disney probably owns the film now because they, you know, they got the long library. It would be Disney. Disney Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. So, so wait, who, which one? Phrase has got the hair. Yeah. Brendan Fraser is the Disney princess in this movie. Those lips. It's Judd Nelson's fucking executive character that's making the <laughs> right, decisions. Right, right, right. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. That's we need right. a thirtieth uh, anniversary edition. Get those uh, whoever whoever that was in here right now. Jimmy like, Wing. Was yeah, I could just see. Uh, I could right, see yeah. the Disney executives being like, you, you know, we need to change the line between like who's wrestling between uh, God and Lemmy. We need to change it to, to Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. which, which, by the way, that was that was uh, there was a. Um, yeah, the who win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? A true question, Lemmy is God. And that's, uh, it, it was brought up, I'll throw it up here. That's Harold Ramis, right? Yeah. So making yeah. making it total of two Ghostbusters that, that are in that's this That's right, film. yeah. Harold, Harold was a friend of mine and um, an amazing person and a comedy legend. So I, I, I knew Harold pretty well and I said, hey, will you be in my movie? You know, this movie's a lot of fun. I think you'd be great for this role. Yeah. And Harold loved to act. You know, he was a great writer. He was a terrific director, but he loved to act. So all all it took was asking him. He said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be happy to do it. When he came to set, everything stopped because all of the actors, all of all of these top comedians. You know, you're talking Sandler yeah. and Farley and Michael Richards and and 
you know, Mike McKean, they're all suddenly, oh my God, my God. It's the guy from Stripes. Demons. Holy crap. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they, all, they all knew very much who Harold was and what he'd done. Of course. And so, uh, and, and it was the, um, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield golf movie. What, Caddyshack. Uh, Caddyshack. Caddyshack, right. I mean, that was, that was the, the epitome of great comedy for these guys. So Harold was treated like Lemmy, you know, on the set. Right. How is Lemmy treated? Lemmy yeah, yeah. is treated like Harold Ramis, actually. It's very wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's and how was Lemmy a... treated uh, when he showed up on set? He was treated like Harold Ramis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Treated very well. Like Lemmy, who are you going to call? You know? I mean, my show, Protonic Reversal, is uh, literally named after a Ghostbusters reference. Of course I'm a fan. But, but I, yeah, I'd actually forgotten that he, he has that. Honestly, like... One of the most memorable lines, right? To the point that, like, people almost like it's just entered like the zeitgeist in a way that people don't even necessarily know that it, where it's from. That, like, you know, Lemmy is God. Like, it's, I feel like yeah. anytime Motorhead is invoked, it's I one mean, of remember the when Lemmy passed of. away? That was like everybody's posts on Facebook, Twitter. You know, it was just yeah. Lemmy is God. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that Rich came up with that. Um, Rich Wilkes, by the way, you know, you guys know he's he is. You should talk to him. He is a great guy. And he co-wrote The Dirt, the writer. Motley Crue book, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's a pretty. He's got a pretty interesting uh, set of references. I mean, the the uh, the Jerky Boys movie. I mean, for the younger people, yeah. there were these people called the Jerky Boys, and they did prank <laughs> phone calls. Dot dot dot. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but like, it was huge. Like that was like yeah. he was like very much like in the zeitgeist at the time, like in, in very and, weird yeah. ways. Rich wrote Triple uh, X. Do you remember that? Which, oh yeah, X. Uh, yeah, that was his original script, I believe. Um, he he and he's uh, he's just a really cool person. He he lives near me now. I see him every once in a while. Nice. He's, yeah, and he he's extremely talented, and his sense of humor, all that stuff, all everything. Whenever I watch Airheads, and I've only seen it a couple times in the last thirty years, but I watch it and I just think his script was so good. All the big laughs in the movie. You know they were in the script. It, it takes. I feel like it takes balls too to like expect that this is going to get sold as a movie, right? Like to do it on spec yeah. and to be like, "Look, this is this is the script that I'm presenting to you guys." I know it's a little bit maybe like un, 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 unorthodox to kind of do like a parody, but it's not like directly a parody of you know another uh, like a classic movie, right? Like uh, Dog Day Afternoon is like one of those movies that like frequently makes the AFI top 100 list or whatever. And like to be like, look, I'm trying to sell like a music version of this, and it's funny, but like that is what I'm trying to do. Like I feel like that takes balls on spec. It did. It, it but it was such a good concept, you know. It 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 really did. You you heard the pits, and it was like, oh, okay, that's that's a movie that could work. And um and so I think they brought me a script which I read, and it was the script was was great. I remember reading it and going, oh yeah, this is a movie I'd love to do this film, but. Um, uh, it had been developed, you know, he had, had had to pitch it, I guess, at some point or write it on spec and deal with all these people who, you know, they were also trying to, to sort of reduce this, the intensity factor of this movie. It was the original script had was much edgier. It was much better in that regard, but in order to get it made at Fox, cause they, they ended up owning it. We had to, we had to fight with them tooth and nail for everything in the film um because they would have turned it into you know 
they wanted it to be the, the mildest version of this movie possible. How do you, how do you feel about uh, the Steve Buscemi? Like, I found this interesting reading up on the because there's like a thing that's like a oral history of Airheads. There's the neck tattoo, right? That Steve Buscemi was going to have, and they were like, "Oh, well, you can't have a neck tattoo in like a mainstream movie." I feel like now just celebrities just walk around with neck tattoos, and nobody thinks anything of it. It was different world then, you know. Yeah. And I, I. My memory was that it was Sandler who had the neck tattoo, but it could have been Steve. I, the thing is, we we had to present everything, all wardrobe choices, all the hair choices, all the tattoos, all that kind of stuff had to be presented to the studio to be approved. And um, normally those things are just automatically approved. You know, this is it's sort of a formality. But in this case, Peter Chernin had just moved over to take over the part of Fox that was making movies. He took over the movie division after after helping create the Fox TV division. So Peter, who, who I really like, and is a good guy, very smart, he. Uh, God damn it. Uh, Continue, Peter, Michael. Never look at the yeah, comments. Okay. Never I, look I at the comments. <laughs> <laughs> They're very funny, but it, it'll, it'll, it'll break Peter your concentration out, every time. Yeah, yeah I can't, I'm lost now. Uh, he'd come out of television, and in television, there's a lot more supervising. Take uh, it off. Take it off. <laughs> A lot more supervising of those sort of things. And Peter came back and said, no tattoos at all. And, no, and on screen the entire time. Yeah. So anyway, we it was a big fight. And we couldn't win the neck tattoo part of it. And now, of course, it means nothing. But back it, then, it, it was yeah. completely meaningless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, now you have so like now you have like Pete Davidson. Like you watch right, 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 exactly. He's like, yeah. neck right. more, more uh, tattooed than a... He's got a tattoo of Hillary Clinton. I know that's, yeah. that's a weird. And that's one. why Ariana Grande what? broke up with him. Oh. Wow, that's information I didn't go. need to know. But okay, no. there you go. But uh, uh, but I was going nuts, you know, saying like, "Have you guys ever actually seen rock and rollers? Have you ever looked right. at what these people look like?" Yes, this <laughs> is you can't have them not have tattoos. Yeah, and and there was a big thing about whether Brendan's character could could wear leather pants or not, and I was like, I. Can't tell you all the battles we had. That it's so inane. Over That's, leather wow. pants. Over leather pants. Well, people, which, people which clearly are, are a crowd pleaser based on our comments alone. What well, are? Thank you. What, what, people what, make fun what, of the. Uh, hold on, what, what, Christina. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Please. I'm just saying, like leather pants were like a thing that it was either ripped denim jeans or like leather yeah. pants right. and bandanas. Yeah. So it's like this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just like just like just like Jay Andrew over there. The, uh, the the neck tattoo thing though is still kind of like a joke that um like rappers nowadays especially will like get like a neck tattoo and it's like dude I hope it works out for you because you know what I mean? like, <laughs> still like that's that's the, the bank's one... gonna not look so kindly on that yeah, yeah well exactly. that's just that's just like the one place that uh, jobs like still I mean face tattoos and neck tattoos are like that's still the whole thing that like jobs will not hire you so like the it's like uh it's like commitment right it's like because yeah. you've, you've dashed your prospects a lot of the time for you know other uh, other types of work if you have that which kind of there's makes, no backup plan yeah which, which kind of makes it perfect for like an adam sandler character in this who you know is kind of just like walking around the house fucking jerking off in his tidy whities all day or whatever and it's like this but like the, the 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 rock and roll thing better work out because 
Like that's not there's you're not like else, yeah. even that's even in like limit. a grocery store they're probably not you know what I mean like they're not like oh, I don't I don't know if we want you to bag our groceries even. right right <laughs> uh, from from the comments I think this is actually a very good question uh, it should be a super chat but so much done in one take does that mean no outtakes from Dananana oh dun, like the Dananana uh, okay, cool uh, it means very very few outtakes if it generally this is this is the thing you know you generally don't just do one take. Because there's always the possibility that, I mean, in the days when you shot film, you didn't do one take because the right. film could be scratched. There could be something that would go wrong. You didn't actually see it until the next day, until it was processed. And even today with digital, where you could play it right back and you know that it's never going to disappear. Uh, I mean, somebody could erase it, but, you know, generally it's safe. Uh, what happens is when you get in the cutting room, there are different little, very subtle rhythmic variations in every take. And sometimes one of them just feels better in context than it did even when you were shooting. And so I like to do two takes. If everything is great, I'm still going to do two takes. But, you know, Clint is famous for right? just yeah. doing one sometimes. You know, he's just, a, we got it. That's it. I'm, I, don't, I don't need any others. But some directors, you know, Fincher and uh, Stanley Kubrick did this. Fincher will do like 30 takes. A lot, a lot of directors will do just tons yeah. and tons of takes. Yeah. Um, yeah well, the next, the next movie we're, the next movie we're talking about on Friday, uh, Possession, is a movie that I think was there was so like they. I think that it was torture the amount of takes that uh, some of, some of the scenes in that movie, like the the scene where she's in the subway, fucking having the miscarriage, oh like the the oh, amount of takes that I would imagine went into that uh, scene is is I don't even want to think about it. Like yeah, that's yeah. that's the eighty one possession by the way, Michael, the one with uh, Sam Neill. Like uh, oh yeah, yeah, this is basically absolute insanity almost the entire time. Like it's like mm. I mean. And, and yet it's tame compared to Under the Silver Globe. So that tells you anything you know about uh, uh, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> but in uh, lower budget movies, you especially when you shot film, you did not have the, you couldn't do very many takes because film yeah. was expensive and processing was expensive. And the, right. the, it's it's not so much the case now with digital. It's time on set, so you can only do so many. Film so. costs money, baby. That's yeah, right, film Stevie. costs a lot Stevie of money. Stevie also, Stevie. Uh, film costs money, baby. Uncle Alligator. Uh... <laughs> it's film costs money, baby. Clint Eastwood <laughs> is known for doing like one take or one, like one yeah. or two takes. But the problem is, is that when I watched Jersey Boys, you know, the film based on the musical, I was like, and I know a lot of the people that were in the movie personally. And I was like, this movie could have benefited from like a few takes. Yeah. Because it was well, just... Yeah. Because no there's environmental factors, right? There's yeah. things that like maybe have nothing to do with the performance, but it's just like, oh, you know, like the, the light was weird here or something. Yeah. You know, like who knows? Yeah. Like Clint Eastwood could have benefited from another take when he yelled at that chair and pretended it was Obama. I feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but also like uh, Lord of the Rings. Got him. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the, uh, Peter Jackson would do like 14 takes of of a, uh, of a scene, and like uh, you know, and, and uh, um, uh, Christopher Lee's just like. Uh, I thought I nailed it on the first take. Uh, you know, I get the second take, but why I don't think that's a very good Christopher Lee impression. No, no, it's not <laughs> supposed right, to right, be. Right. <laughs> uh, but, 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 that's um, what people come to this show for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Christopher Lee's not what I do impersonations of. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> that's on your A list, Andy. Of, of yeah, impersonations no. you do. <laughs> if it was Sean Connery, on the other hand, who's also known for only only doing like one take, it's like you watch me to do another take. Yeah. I could do Bane, and that's about it. <laughs> 
Mm. There you go, folks. Okay, uh, make sure to oh, like wait. and subscribe uh, for more <laughs> of this premium content. Um, yeah. So okay. So so I, I think that there's there's a few things that we didn't get to. I know we're going to do the the letterbox one liners uh, relatively soon, which was a really good time. Of course, Michael, when you were on for um, for Heather's, you were a good sport of that. We got some some good stories out of it. But before that, uh, we barely mentioned Chris Farley. Yeah. In yeah. here and. Uh, I he's got like a pretty memorable role, but like also like I had kind of forgotten he was in this. Like oh, Chris Farley. Oh, so I, I have a I have a clip of continuing from this uh, <laughs> Adam Sandler, Brendan Fraser thing where they're talking about Chris Farley being nice. on set and uh, rate like rating the craft table possibly, but also I guess being <laughs> on a diet and I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's find yeah. out together. And Farley, remember Farley was in the movie. Yeah. And Farley, he terrorized the craft service truck. But uh, I think we actually, when we shot that movie, probably was on a diet. <laughs> so he was like a little calm. He was a little calmer on the craft service than you had. But I definitely destroyed that thing. I loved him. Absolutely. We had fun together. I think he shot like maybe two weeks and we all hung out. Yeah. Nighttime. Man, that was probably the most fun I ever had on a movie. All of us were young. We jumped off the parking structure. Buddy, that was incredible. Being crowd served. Now, this is the truth on that jump. Yeah. We jumped off the thing and landed on a mat maybe 15 feet below us, right? Not that big of a stunt. I thought for sure I could handle that. I landed in such a stiff way that I heard my neck go, I heard everything, but I didn't want to. Uh, you didn't say anything about I it. I couldn't say anything because I would be humiliated. You two guys got up laughing, you and Buscemi. I was like, I, I'm supposed to. You completely to laugh. collapsed your neck backwards. It was awful. You didn't turn into I it. I didn't know what I was supposed Where to do. You? I was never a gymnast. I would go on the trampoline at the Jewish Community Center growing up, saw everyone else do well on it. I had the same thing happen to my neck on that thing when I was like nine. Oh. I'm not good at jumping and landing on my back. Don't do that. I got to stop. Me. Okay. Uh, yes. The guy who smashed into trees for a living. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You went on to do so many. You went on, first of all, to leave Airheads and then get very jacked for George of the Jungle. I was disappointed how good you looked in that. You weren't supposed to do that to us. You were supposed to remain like a, a the, the, the wardrobe was that there was no wardrobe. He, yes. George eats bananas and swings around all day. And he wears a long you did right by the character, but you did wrong by us, man. You made us feel bad about ourselves. Amazing. Love it. Uh... Hold on, this always bothers me. There we go. Okay. Um, the first of all, like, what a great rapport those two dudes have, right? I mean, as, as, yeah. And it's considering how differently their careers have gone, like, like it's it's nice to be able to see. It, it's like it's like when you see it. like a like a like almost like a couple after a relationship, like thirty years later, they still have <laughs> chemistry. You're like, yeah, right, yeah, still, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> By the way, the craft service on that movie was exceptional. It, oh, oh, really? So yes, they, okay, it okay. was exceptional. So it was and like we did, torture for we Chris did Farley. Like three weeks of nights without, you know, all the stuff outside at, on the, you know, Nakatomi Plaza stuff that was all done over the course of about three weeks. And so we all went on a night schedule. And what would happen is at midnight, the craft service guy would he would put a turkey in a smoker. So there would be a freshly smoked turkey, and you'd go, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And, you know, we're working these crazy hours. And, um, and so you come in and eat. And I, I do remember catching 
I think it was Sandler and Buscemi once. They were giggling like crazy at craft service. And I said, what are you guys so happy about? And they're like started giggling. And, and I said, wait a minute. Have you been, you know, uh, so you guys are staying completely straight for this shoot, right? And they're yeah. laughing. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, I'm like dad catching the kids smoking pot. Smoking some jazz cigarettes. Den. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, whatever they were doing. <laughs> but they, they were definitely having a good time. And the food was really good. So, you know, and Those Farley go was, hand in hand. Yeah, Farley was on very much on the wagon. He had a couple guys with him who were making sure that he didn't drink and um and also that he didn't eat too much because he just he, he'd be the first one to tell you. He said, "I can't control myself. I just right. can't do it." Uh he was an extremely good-natured person, the, the sweetest person you'd ever be around and unbelievably talented so all the comedy stuff with him i mean his face and his physicality were really something it was really awesome to watch and to work with um but he was the sweetest guy in the world but he'd just tell you i, I can't control myself i need somebody to tell me just don't do this and uh you know he was so he was he was in he was good on the shoot but he was struggling still how did how did he get cast in this like did uh adam sandler kind of bring him in and say hey can you know is there a role for i got, I got another Farley friend to, he... to hire uh, <laughs> no i mean i think that you know these guys these were the kind of the gold standard if you could get them in the movie i don't think chris had done the tommy boy or any of the other movies yet you know so he was adam's good friend but they were also all represented probably by the same agents and you know we just go can we get them in here that that role seemed like a natural for Chris. Um, well, it was like they, they were in their uh, like SNL stardom at this point, right? Like this yeah. was like yeah. right at the height of that. Like there's the the clip that I found with like Opera Man or whatever, right? Like that's the thing that Adam Sandler is most known for his, his tenure at SNL. And it's like- uh, Playing the guitar. It's the most singing. 90s, it's the most 90s thing you can really, you know. Yeah. He, he would come to set with his guitar and between- <laughs> oh, man setups he would he would serenade us with his songs you know lunch lady land and all that kind of sure, stuff sure. and it, it would be very funny if uh, laughs so they finally play their song and it's like the thanksgiving song or whatever or like this is uh well and for farley uh I think it's like next year that's like Tommy Boy and then Black Sheep after that, if, I, if yeah. I'm remembering correctly. Like, I mean, he was yeah. sort of like, he was already like, you know, pretty kind of like, oh my God, that guy, Chris Farley. I love you know? Tommy Boy. Uh, and and, with, like, and you know. the same thing with Sandler and Billy Madison, right? Right. And Billy, yeah, yeah. That was my follow up is that like, and yeah. he wasn't the only one, which, <laughs> right? You know, and it's, it's crazy that like, it seems like those guys were already had things lined up that were going in their favor but this was this is kind of an unwritten part of history this movie like as far as that goes with the like late 90s comedy right you know yeah. it's it's, it, it's notable which is why i was super glad that uh forrest hit upon the casting because i know that there's uh, a few a few things i my understanding and michael if you can let me know if this is true or not I, christina applegate was considered for the role of kayla is that correct yeah she was um I she looks a lot like turned us down. You know, she looks a I, lot I'm like not... the the actress that ended up getting picked. Yeah, uh, yeah. Amy Locaine. Yeah, Amy they, they're, Locaine. Yeah, 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 they're yeah, they're both very. Um, oh yeah, that was after she she did Cry Baby. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, the other rumor is that uh, John Cusack was uh, was also considered for the role of Chaz. 
When when I first came on board for the movie, I was told that Cusack was going to play Chaz. That's a and very different movie, by the way. It's a very different movie. <laughs> and, and, and I said, okay. But, but, you know, we all love Cusack. I mean, back then sure. he was, that was, that was, would have been a great choice. Um, and I mentioned this to a friend of mine and they said, oh, you mean Cusack, the guy who says yes to everything and doesn't, then doesn't do it. Ooh. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> and they said, yeah. They said, you, you, you know, you're, you're going to have a hard time getting Cusack to actually commit. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I was, I was in for the movie. It didn't matter. You know, I knew we could cast this. And I remember I had a conversation with Cusack and it was like, no, I'm not, you know, he was doing another movie and he wasn't, he wasn't ready to commit. And I, I came back from that and said, this is not, I don't think this is going to work. We should, we should be looking for somebody else. And, and um, we went to Brendan, I'm pretty sure, right after that. I don't remember any search beyond that. I, I Yeah, I don't – it's just a different movie without Brendan Fraser <laughs> is what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah. Like, I mean, like – and part of it's, like, his presence. Part of it is literally his height. But, like, if you're having, like, when it's like, no, this guy is the uh, the objective leader of this yeah. band. Like, that's the dude. It's got to have someone that has some presence, right? So, And especially, like, at this time – I again, I just, I just, I think it's a different movie entirely. And he's doing, and John Cusack, don't, he's running hot. Like, I think he does gross point, point blank or something like next year, right? I mean, he's, he's, not, yeah, he's, yeah, he's doing great. He's, he's a great actor. It's just so different. It That's, makes, yeah. it makes a lot of sense uh, watching the interview where Adam Sandler's talking about how seriously Brendan Fraser took this role because right. as much as he's kind of like this pretty funny like kind of pathetic uh character that's like you know rebranded himself in this movie it doesn't like he is the straight man i mean yeah like e even steve buscemi who kind of is known for uh bringing he's... like a level of comedy to like a you know to like more of a straight performance like it's brendan fraser that holds it together as the straight man to the other he's two the straight man people. to joe montagna can i just, yeah. <laughs> we just like appreciate that for a moment and i i love joe montana like i love all the stuff he, like he did with mamet like i'm i mean he's an incredible actor he can do anything very funny role maybe the funniest joe montana role that, that he's ever done but yeah he's a straight man to joe montana amazing yeah that was that was an <laughs> interesting casting because um we people came in and auditioned and i really wanted joe because he was a great actor he'd done all these and i said so nobody would ever think of putting joe montana in this role you know, it's like that is totally not what anybody would expect. And Joe came in and auditioned and uh, he may have he may not have auditioned. He may, may have just come in for a meeting. But he told me that he had been in an ad for an amplifier for a guitar amplifier <laughs> that I remembered as a kid seeing in Crawdaddy magazine, which was an alternate to, to Rolling Stone, if you remember. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I can't remember the name of the amplifiers, but. They had like a rainbow as part of their logo. It was some shitty amplifier that was being promoted then. And it yeah. was Joe who was in the ad. And I said, that, is that really you? And he goes, yeah, that's me. And I went back. I think I had issues of this in my closet and at home. And I found the ad. And sure enough, there's Joe Mantegna with this big dome of black hair. <laughs> and, and, and so I thought, okay, he's got... Awesome. some sort of rock and roll credibility. Then I went to the studio and they did not want to cast him. Um, 
they, they were suggesting Robert Wool for some reason. Do you remember Robert Wool? Does that name mean anything? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he in yeah. Batman? He, yeah, he was, he was uh, in Batman. He was the uh, the reporter, uh, Knox. Exactly. Arliss. And, oh, and was I the think other he had he an in, HBO right? show. Yeah, Arliss. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay, that's a different. Right. A different and, and you know, he's yeah. he's a good actor. Oh, he's so great. I'm like, okay, but I don't want him. I'm and Kevin Spacey came in and auditioned. Bull Durham. That's right. He's been a lot. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when Kevin Spacey auditioned, it was really interesting because he came in and he gave a really good audition. And and he said to me, he said, you're an idiot if you don't cast me. I mean, it was sort of like. Sounds of most, exactly like him. Yeah. yeah. One of the most <laughs> aggressive moves I'd ever seen from an actor. And he was right. I didn't uh, no question about that. But I thought this guy scares me because <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Little I did think we know. Ensemble I think the ensemble cat. No, it has nothing to do with whatever happened later. Seriously, I mean, it was just it's in he had this intensity. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that's not going to be. I don't think that's going to work with all the actors that I want to put in this film. You have to think about how the ensemble is going to work. It'd be it'd be and, incongruous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I thought if he scares me in an audition, then he he's going to intimidate all the other actors, and. I don't think that's good because that character needed to be actually very warm in a funny way, you know, because he, okay. he's the one who gets them. Um, so I won the battle on Joe Mantegna, which is great because Joe was terrific. You know, he's he's also he's a really, really good actor. He's great, he's great at comedy character. as well, too. Because he's great so, at comedy. So people, again, okay, for Simpsons fans, Fat Tony. That's Joe Montana, right? Yeah. He's done a hundred thousand other things, but he will forever to a certain segment of the population be like, oh yeah, mobster dude from The Simpsons, right? Yeah. But like, he's very versatile. And and again, like I, someone that was very much in David Mamet's sort of a baseball team, right? Uh, yeah. Much, much like how Kevin Spacey got like a big boost when he was in Glengarry Glen Ross exactly. a couple years earlier than this movie, yeah. which is crazy to think about, right? Uh, but... It's just such a different world, but he's coming from that like super, <laughs> that mammoth esque world, and before that meant neoconservative. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that was a different that was a different iteration of mammoth. But yes, um, yeah, it, and uh, also Michael McCann. We should talk about Michael McCann because yeah, we have he to, plays yeah. it. He yeah. plays it absolutely straight in this, which is kind of. I mean, like I, I guess it's it's not as incredible to watch now that he's like done, uh, you know, Better Call Saul, Better Call where Saul he he yeah. literally is in like a dramatic role and kind of plays that perfectly. But like it, it like looking at his uh, older like comedy stuff, right? Like it's kind of incredible how straight he plays it in this in this movie and how unlikable he plays it in this movie too. Yeah, well, he he knew who the character was. And he got a kick out of the fact that, you know, he was a Spinal Tap member. He was in Spinal no, Tap! Yeah. yeah. And, and so here he's doing this very different role. He's such a good actor. I mean, he is just, uh, he's amazing. He's, and, he's a great version of that guy. And we all knew what I mean when I yeah, say that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my, first, uh, my first thought, though, with <laughs> pulling a gun out on Michael McKean is fucking uh, <laughs> just yelling, uh, Chuck! Chuck, he's got a gun. Chuck, <laughs> I, he just—I don't know. I feel like I feel like the the caliber of stuff that he brought to like, you know, just uh, being the most unlikable character on a show full of unlikable characters on Better Call Saul is just yeah. incredible. Like, he ate it up, man. He he ate it up on that show. Credit. He really did. It yeah. was amazing.
Yeah. He uh he he pulls out the line where he's uh he's like this is chicanery, and they're like mocking him behind his back later on because he's having like the mental breakdown. <laughs> I so I think uh, Andy Christina, unless you two have anything else, I think we'll I, I got one on quick question because okay, uh, because right after this movie, uh, a movie who had the exact same plot, um, uh, Empire Records came out. Uh, did yeah. did you see it uh, at the time, and, and did you have any thoughts on it? I didn't see it. Um, okay, I you're not missing anything. That's fun. yeah, missing anything. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, soundtrack's good. Me. I, I mean, I'll give it that. Soundtrack is good. Yeah, yeah. 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 So people say you should see this movie because it's just like a movie you made. I go, well, yeah. then maybe I shouldn't see it because yeah, then exactly. I'll yeah, it'll make me feel weird. So I yeah. never saw it. No, like, okay, there's always that right. carbon copies. Like one movie comes out and then someone makes like another copy. You know, I'm worried that's what's gonna happen with like Barbie because Mattel's like, let's sure. do to- let's do, you know, ah, Uno toys. and, and toys and stuff like yeah. that. And I'm just like And the nine eleven Jenga movie. To to be yeah. fair to uh yeah, to, to uh, Empire to Records. <laughs> to be fair to Empire Records, I think it's more like a uh uh, deep impact uh, Armageddon kind of thing where it just happens to be like <laughs> two real similar scripts coming out at the same time. Yeah. Also, oh, yeah. I will say this. So I got like, you know, I got my laptop up and the stream going. And so I scroll down and the first thing that pops up in the algorithm is Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> so was that, was that like a, a bonus that it was there? Or was that where you, or were you like, was there like some concern about that? I mean, it's no, sort of I'm like, just like, oh, wait a minute. We, it's like, it's like, no, no, know, for Michael, the, not for you. No, we thought it was, I thought it was really funny. You know, we, were I mean, it's awesome. For, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. We were looking for locations for where the, where the recording studio could be and all the stuff. I mean, it, we had a lot of, there were a lot of things that that location had to provide. You know, they had to be able yeah. to go on the roof to have a concert. So automatically, I remember looking at building after building after building in LA and it was like, well, they can't really do a concert here and it doesn't make sense right, and it's right. not going to be good. And then at some point we said, well, but there's this place right here on the Fox lot that is iconic already as a, as a location and it's here and Fox, you know, can get access to it. Sure. It's literally and Fox. We, Plaza, we right? did like, a bunch of work on the facade yeah. of the, of the place to turn it into the radio station. But, um, and we had to occupy that thing for three weeks because um, it was a whole lot of stuff that was shot there with the crowds forming and all the stuff that happened. So, and it was also confusing because we shot the interior part first. So right. it was, a, that puzzle was a little complicated. Um, Got to fit it all together somehow and yeah, make it not yeah. look like it's two different movies. Right, but, <laughs> but so, First of all, um, it it lent itself so well. Second of all, it was a great inside joke, sort of a meta thing that it was the, the diehard building. And also we had Michael Richards crawling through the air conditioning ducts. So we even had a big right. deal diehard reference. That's right. Yeah. Yes. No, and he sets himself on fire, which was so funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's perfect. It's perfect. Just cr- like Kramer, Kramer in the wall. Like there's a Kramer in the wall kind of thing. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, uh, that, that's, if you're going to, it works in a way that if you know, you know, right. Where you're like, yeah, I know what that yeah. location is. It's like, uh, I mean, to a lesser degree, but like with the third man, when you see that, like that, that area with like the Ferris, well, oh, I know exactly what that is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and certain other people that make movies know that as well. And they throw it yeah. in there because why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, fantastic. Uh, so, so Michael, you've been on the show before. Uh, th this is the period of the show where we talk about Letterbox, the social media site for film, where people talk at what to each other about the movies that they love. Maybe the movies they didn't love. Mostly on this movie, the movies they were incredibly thirsty for. I, I'm not kidding, Michael. We've done The Handmaiden on this show, and then like there was more thirst posts about this movie than it was about The Handmaiden, which blows my mind. Yeah, yeah good. So there, good. so there you go. Very thirsty, thirsty. It's, you better, hey, you by the way, Letterbox now does uh, directors respond to Letterbox like yeah, it's my bit, but they just yeah. stole it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks to Pants Load, everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, no respect, no respect. Uh, but of course, uh, all this is best expressed succinctly. You know, you don't want, don't want to. It's not a feature length. It's a short. <laughs> you keep it tight. You you, you work on your tight five, and uh, I collect all these as, as a public service. I certainly don't get paid for it for everybody, so that uh, we can put them on the screen and uh, and talk about it and and react to them. So these are the letterbox one-liners for Airheads. Let's go. I choose to believe this is what the French Revolution was like. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the chaos of the thrown together nature of it definitely is what the French Revolution was like. <laughs> well, the, the only th difference is that uh, the French Revolution was on my birthday and that Airheads is on Forrest's birthday. All right. That's the only difference? Go. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> that's difference. A, yes. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Movies need to go back to being silly antics carried out in a single day and a where are they now slide at the end. Back back. <laughs> yeah. By the oh, way, this, this must be the last time that anybody ever got three months for holding a building hostage. You know, the 1994 <laughs> condo passed like a few months definitely pre 9 11. <laughs> right, different world, different world. <laughs> right, it's literally like a few months before mass incarceration, and they're like, you know what, we'll go lenient on these uh, three very Guns and Roses looking white guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a credit for masturbating rocker. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, Stuttering John, isn't it? Is. Yeah, 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 Stuttering that, John Melendez, John. Who, who's on From the soundtrack. The show. That's right. Yeah. That's uh. That's. I was, I was hoping you'd, you'd you'd throw in on that because I didn't realize that until I heard it brought up on the Howard Stern show a hundred thousand years ago when it was you know whatever. Anyway, there's there's so <laughs> there's so many uh way more way more famous rockers in that crowd. That are just like weighing in on on this on this band right before they fucking play their song because like Lemmy's in the crowd like it's it's just like yeah. a crowd full of full of rockers around a radio station that you know yeah, we were hoping you wouldn't notice. <laughs> Fantastic, well done, great delivery. There's a Kramer in the walls. <laughs> That's my favorite Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a statement of fact and he did set himself on fire that is true <laughs> he also like get has a gun at one point and then the gun just starts firing all over the place like... yeah it's, it's yeah it's like if die hard was a spoof yeah exactly. right yeah you know, it's which we don't need a whole movie of that like that's those scenes enough. <laughs> no. yes enough. what the hell is going on in there kramer and he's like it's die hard jerry <laughs> <laughs> good very good <laughs> This takes place in the fucking Beavis and Butthead universe. Yes. Uh, Can we talk about that? Well, we you, you know, um, so, right, Beavis and Butthead call in. And that that was, I, I was on the fence about that uh, because it sort of broke reality a little bit, but we kind of couldn't resist. 
And um, Mike Judge came to set, um, which was great, you know, and hung out and kind of observed for a couple days or a day. I can't remember how long he was there. And then he he did, I remember I was sent the cassette tape of him doing the Beavis and Butthead um, voices for the call-in. And I had to select the takes. And I, I couldn't believe how funny each and every one of his takes were. They were all different. He was so good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually realize it was it was him. Like, no, it's, it was it's him. absolutely yeah, him. It's a hundred percent. I mean, him. people used to love people used to love doing the Beavis about his voice, and some people were like, "Sure, he's really good." Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, and I think was, I think and he like could do it better than anybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and I think too, this also really like good. you know really helps set this in that '90s period because like this this movie's about metalheads, uh, and you yeah, know who right. are Beavis and Butthead, but the ultimate metalheads. Yeah. And iconic amongst rock and roll people to this day. Yeah. Yes, at least, yeah. at least in my camp. It's, it's very funny to like see fucking Steve Buscemi get pissed off at them too. Like, <laughs> he's so mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck off, you guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's all because it's also like you know I know people that have been that were on that show as the subject of what they were was being uh, we'll just charitably say discussed, and some of them take it with a lot of humor and really like it. Some people don't, and yeah. I'm not going to name names, but it's pretty funny to me. I'm like, huh? Yeah, tell me more. Like, I'll kind of wind them up a little bit. Oh yeah, Beavis and Butthead though. Oh, fuck Beavis and Butthead. Okay. <laughs> as if, as if they're real people. As if they're real people. It's a, it's yes. a, it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon, people. Like, Those after motherfuckers. All these years. <laughs> exactly. Tag yourself. I'm the girl that flirted with Adam Sandler while being held hostage. <laughs> which by the way there's a line there's a line when they say they're shutting down the uh they're turning it into the rain or whatever right like the soft rock studio and that girl's just like uh i gave so many blowjobs and she just oh yes that right really yes <laughs> so many blowjobs for nothing or whatever you know yeah, yeah she that's uh nina shamasco she's she's awesome she's, she's great she's great she's so good in that role <laughs> Christina, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Chaz is greater than Eddie Munson. <laughs> uh-huh. That's it. It's, it's Maria Castro, not my. The, the opinions of Maria Castro are not the opinions of Movie Next Travaganza. Christina, uh, Michael, that's funny because Christina is a Eddie Munson fan of uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Oh. So okay. th- this is what you might call an in joke, I suppose. Okay. I at least you can play Master of Puppets on guitar <laughs> in real life. You say jazz can't? Have you? How do you know that? Right. Yeah. Well, we did see it. That's, maybe maybe that's going to be in the Criterion Edition. I am rock and roll. Yes. Yeah. Do you think you're rock and roll? I oh, yeah. it's it's very it's very funny in the Brendan Fraser voice too, right? Like because he has that deep, he has a like interesting deep voice where even when he's like kind of goofy, he's like pulling it off, and he's like. I am rock and roll. Like when he says penis, it's like <laughs> yeah. penis. But you <laughs> but believe that, it. That was scripted. That was, was spelled it? in the script P-E-N-N-I-S. And I remember talking to Rich <laughs> and saying, so so he's supposed to say penis, right? And Rich was like, yeah, that's the joke. And so, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> The only Adam Sandler movie where he looks like the best smelling character. 
Really? <laughs> that's, that's interesting. I don't know. I mean, if you like the smell of chlorine. Out of the three of them. Right? Like, <laughs> everyone else in the studio, I mean, like, in the radio station, maybe not. But out of the three of them, he definitely looks yeah. like he smells the best. <laughs> Your Honor, these three were simply goofing around. <laughs> As I said, it's the last year you can get away with that uh, defense. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. why they got three months. Yeah. The, the goofing around defense, as it henceforth was known uh, in legal circles. <laughs> Those are the Letterbox one-liners for Airheads. Please, 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 please follow the Third Ranger. Oh man, I can't even. I can't. Not. I can't do it in this view. He's he's over there. Uh, Forest Airheads is a diehard sequel. Miller, he's representing the show. All the stuff that we cover on this show, he's logging. You can follow him on there. I, By of course, way, am Conan. Still a, still a chance to give super chats for my birthday. You know, still his birthday, as it turns out. Yeah. So uh, give him some money, you cheap bastards. I need uh, money. I have seventeen dollars <laughs> in my bank account right now. Help me, please. Exactly. I'll suck your dick. Help me. <laughs> wow, this show took a turn. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, of course, I'm just going to dance away from that. I, of course, am Kona Neutron. I am rock and roll, and I am also on letterbox.com, uh, logging all the highbrow, the midbrow, the populace fair, doing the Criterion Challenge. Almost done with it, frankly. So follow me along for all that if you feel so inclined. Uh, and uh, you get, get, get me opining about this, that, and the other thing. Just watch the Super Mario Brothers movie, by the way. Pretty good. That was on the Criterion Challenge list. It was not on the Criterion Challenge, I'm aware. Okay. It will be. It will be. Eventually. Yeah. You know what I liked about it? It was 90 minutes. That's the correct uh, link for a movie like that. That's correct. 90 yeah. minutes. It's, like, kinda, it's, it's disappointing the one that was on the list that's uh, less than that. I feel like uh, 87 minutes is too short for uh, for Francis Ha. I feel like it could have it sure. benefited from 10 more minutes of her looking at the camera and being like, you know, when it's when when you're across the room from someone, you know, it's that thing and and you know that and they know it. And like, I don't know, just drunk Greta Gerwig could have had 10 more minutes of her rambling. Look, I, right? I'll, I'll watch 10 more hours of it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it. I love Greta Gerwig. Uh, Jay Andrew, World War Nine wants to know if you have any nude pictures of B. Arthur. And if you do. Attempt to share with him on uh, Letterboxd as he watches all of the weirdest <laughs> stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe see who can. It's not for me to judge. I don't Yo, know. The, the, line, the line in this, though, with, with Judd Nelson walking in and going, be Arthur. Nice. Or something. <laughs> yeah, I think outstanding, I think. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. 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 And, and no reaction necessary, no explanation given. No. no it's, it's... That's, like, that's like peak like executive <laughs> of like a company that's trying to fucking like – you know what I mean? Like suck yeah. off a, a like a, a prospective client or whatever. Something weird's right. happening. They're like, outstanding, absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he's watching all a bunch of weird stuff, Andy. That that's the point of that is that he's, he's yes. doing that on Letterbox. Uh, so follow him on there. Feel so inclined. Airheads are out of control, and uh, Christina Oaks is <laughs> out of control on Letterbox in the way that she barely posts on it. But every once in a while, she does. So please follow her uh, if you feel so inclined and we can wait for the less, latest musing on high uh like for yeah. like guru from the mountain you know they, they, the the musings come down by the way if you if you type in uh making of airheads the first thing you get is the can they're like here's a tour of a candy factory <laughs> i just had mike hard from god bullies on the the mm -hmm. legendary uh noise rock band god bullies but because his name is mike hard and now there's mike hard's lemonade if you do any <laughs> search for mike hard it's always oh, my no. card's lemonade every time. And I feel oh. so bad for this guy that was like, no, you're like a genre defying front person who was like giving all of this like joy to music lovers throughout the years. And there's some dumb 
alcoholic lemonade. Not even a beer. It's an alcoholic <laughs> lemonade that like has hijacked your name. It's well, just, I, it's, I'm waiting uh, for fine. It doesn't get you buzzed or anything. And we can make yeah. a, an Airheads reference. The machine ate my my card. The machine ate my card. There you go. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, of course, a J. Andrew. <laughs> you did. <laughs> Jay Andrew World, please take us away with the plugs. I'm still looking at the B. Arthur quote and uh, <laughs> I laugh. Every, I can't lot laugh. That's that's one of the. That's I can't one of the lot laugh. Key. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a great line. Like, um, if you're watching us on YouTube, send pictures of B. Arthur. If you're watching us on Twitch, yes, send right, pictures exactly. of B. Arthur. You know? yeah, yeah, we'll accept super chats, but send pictures of B. Arthur. Uh, Patreon, yeah. believe it or not, actually takes new pictures of uh, B. Arthur, so it's great. <laughs> it's legal currency in some countries. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you are watching us on YouTube, do the YouTube things like, comment, subscribe. Hit that bell, and of course, the big ask, watch the video to the end. Uh, that allows us to be discovered by other movie fans, and that allows you to hear that great Conan Neutron song at the end. What, if you're what? over on uh, Twitch, do the Twitch things. Throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, please uh, subscribe. That doesn't cost you a penny, and that actually helps us out a great deal, especially for Forrest's birthday, so so he can buy himself something nice. Buy yourself something like, nice. Buy yourself something yeah, nice. Exactly. <laughs> Uncle Alligator's in the house, apparently. <laughs> um, find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and of course now Blue Sky. So so uh, look for us all on those places uh, and find us uh, with all our weird hijinks that we're having on those websites. He's not lying. They are weird. Michael, do you need a Blue Sky invite? I got one. Like, you can be on yeah, send it to me. All right. All right. It's uh, cool. it's, it's blue, blue sky. I feel like it just needs the it needs the spark, right? Like it needs more people to be on it and just be like. I got two invite codes, and people are just not getting them now. Well, you should offer them on air to our guests, like I do, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Force it at first. Force it at first. Well, I've given them the chat. I've been like, anyone need a blue, a blue sky? At least I'm giving to a guest. He gave them to fans. Anyway, uh, Andy. Hey, if you oh, want to be great. a fan of me, Uncle Alligator. Uncle Alligator, bluesky.com. We we should actually make an Uncle Alligator account. <laughs> Why not? Um, but yeah, we have a Patreon, and uh, over there at the Patreon, you can get access to things like our after parties that we're going to have up there forever. Um, oh, and God. of course, they're on there uh, forever. Uh, it does take, you know, um, <laughs> they're behind a paywall. Don't worry, no one's looking. Yeah, they're at behind it. a paywall, so you can send those B. Arthur pics. Uh, it's okay. Don't worry, people. It's okay. No, that's where you can send the. B. Yeah, Arthur yeah. I think that you'll be more B. Arthur like, pics. Yeah, it's like um, nothing but like uh, it's our B. Arthur only fans. <laughs> um, we're gonna workshop this material. You're on the show. It's, it's, I'm it's coming be... in with quite a bit of money these days. All right. Wow. Well, don't 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 brag. All the dogs in. All the all the dogs in. House sitting. Cat sitting. I have to be at the house with the cat. It's just weird. Fish sitting. She's got that B. Arthur OnlyFans money. Yeah, <laughs> but but you know what? I, I do completely understand with the cats needing uh, extra love because we have a very special cat upstairs who, who is desperate whenever anybody like leaves the house. But uh, Conan, you have a yes. show. It's called Platonic Reversal. We it's, talked about it the, during the show. Yeah, it's a Ghostbusters reference. Yes. <laughs> also um, entering year ten. It's a crazy. Well, oh, congratulations, Conan Neutron. That's right. Goddamn right you are. He's like, there's a ghost. I'm not. I'm not it's being like, that's any not part of department. It. Oh no, that's not me. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't call the, Jason. Either. Now, is the ghost caterwauling? Because if it's not, yeah, I have then I have nothing. Yeah, to say. it's not my department. Is, is it? In, is it in your van? No, it's not in your van. <laughs> I, 
what, what can I really do? Is it haunting a guitar? I, I, I could open it up. Take a look. I don't know. I can see. Mm-hmm. All right. That's enough of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you had a show this week uh, or last week. My man, I've had like what feels like 50 of them. Yeah. It's uh yeah. So I, Jason Smith of Train Dodge, speaking of Caterball, they played Caterball, a great Oklahoma yes. band uh, on. Uh, this is uh, this week. Thursday is a pretty big episode for a s- certain kind of music fan. Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum is going to be on. Uh, who from Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum? I would love to know the answer to that question. But they're going to be on my show, and uh, they have not done. They were, broke up kind of before there were such a things as as like podcasts that had visual medium and whatever. Uh, very interesting band. Uh, Chat Pile are huge fans of them, so friends of the show that are um, uh, also awesome. Uh, Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. I'm they're they're they got a Kickstarter thing. They've raised like a hundred thousand dollars or something on it. There's like a hundred thousand pages of text of whatever they're doing with it. I you know it's going to be a crazy show. They're a great band. Uh, so honored to have them on that Steel Pole Bathtub episode. Still doing some numbers in my world. So if you're interested in Steel Pole Bathtub, you can uh, check that out. Uh, I don't know, whatever. I'm real busy with this Protonkaversal stuff. You are. And Thank of you. course, <laughs> uh, when, when you're not doing that, you're making. But some- $1 a month, early access, patreon.com, Protonkaversal. If everyone else is doing their freaking Patreon, I'm going to do mine too. Yeah, 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 of course. Of course Mine's I a Bernie think. Sanders model, model uh, Michael. So it's like $1 a month, just $1. lots of people. Yeah. That's the idea anyway. But but yeah, you have uh, also like uh, when you're not doing Protonic Reversal, you're also recording music. Yes, correct. And, and you can go over to Bandcamp right now, <laughs> Neutron Friends on Bandcamp.com. Check out the new single off of uh, the the new Split LP. That uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, and buy it. Do you know any of the names or no? Uh, the, the, <laughs> the one. I'm just gonna let you swing on this one. Yeah. No, no. It's, Why don't you make up what you think it is? That that might be. You funny. know, to be totally honest with you, I I I am so bad with names of music. Like, like oh, we know. I, I yeah. I'm just. Terrible. I'm good at guessing songs with one second. All right, I, I'm you I'm know. gonna throw him a life preserver here. It's Adult Prom is the name of the LP, uh, and uh, the the singles Wild Antics. Uh, currently shooting a video for that with a friend of the show, Mark Borchardt. Uh, and Wild Antics sounds like this movie we just uh, we just exactly right here. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Bandcamp Friday. <laughs> This Friday. So for uh, oh. people that enjoy music that are watching the show, uh, that'd be a good time to pick it up. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, we could plug it. We could plug it hard during possession because you know the one exactly. thing when you're having a conversation about <laughs> about possession that you want to do <laughs> is you want to throw in as many yeah. references to Bandcamp as possible. Exactly, it's a natural thing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, and we got a uh, uh, West Coast tour coming up. Um, in October, let's see, I think I have the latest tour poster. Yeah, boom, here we go. So uh, can't read anything on here. That's the Chris Williams poster, though. And I'm, I'm sorry, Michael, you can you can do what Christina's doing and go around it if you want. Uh, <laughs> Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> uh, Phoenix, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, uh, Reno, uh, Eugene, Portland, Bellingham, and Seattle and uh, Bellingham is Bellingham Exit Fest and uh, Seattle is Rat City Recon. So uh, those are those are all great shows. Very excited for the uh, and Matt Gilbert. Yeah, there you go. Very excited for folks to see it. If you're on the West Coast, come see us. Michael, I feel like last time you were on the show, was I plugging West Coast uh, West Coast tours? I think I, I think I was. You were you plugging some sort of tour. Yeah, I'm always plugging something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were you were plugging something. Oh, Real busy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I tune out when I talk to you. It's okay. Yeah, uh, and anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, of course. The, the, yeah, yeah, uh, ah, yeah, there we go. Christina, you, you have a... You have a... <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what just happened. But if I were on my own script here... And he has you got, you got a Twitch show. <laughs> He, he was trying to get Uncle Alligator back down into his. Uh, in- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Michael, have you ever been on a show like this before? Is this like uh... just the last time I was on your show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we, the fact that you came back speaks volumes about your character. Thank you. Yes. But, but right, uh, let's go yeah, while we're young. Yeah, Too late. Yeah, you have a Twitch show. Um, <laughs> is there anything happening this week, or are you? I'm, I'm I'm at a place with no internet right now so but at least i live around the corner from these people so i'm just coming here whenever you know anything important is this is this uh is this what you're like with no internet <laughs> yes <laughs> i just have to depend on my data like my unlimited data on my phone and i'm like having to you know move around the house and be like oh i got signal it's ridiculous <laughs> you're, you're really gonna stretch the definition of that unlimited data huh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, you know, if people want to help you out, you have a uh, Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash Patreon these days. Yeah, you can just for one dollar a dollar. Yeah, it's and everyone and does, just like me. Now, see, you guys are making me feel like you know the 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 two dollars that I charge at the lowest end is now exactly. you know it's too much. It's the like a greedy capitalist you are. <laughs> uh, can we also say uh, Christina finally been added to the uh, show logo? So there's our new Woo-hoo! show logo oh, yes. 2023. It's been a bit hey. Barbie themed. Sorry, Michael, you're behind this one. That uh, car does not have an engine, so of course I'm able to drive it. Yep, there you go. Hey, it was Michael. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> the first iteration of this, when he drew, when he, when Andy drew me, because he draws these yeah. things, I looked super like... pissed for no reason. I was like, "Why do <laughs> I look so angry?" <laughs> now, now you look like the smug Wojak. That's like, no, yeah, I look. It's more. I'll, I'll take smug. I'll take smug. Whatever. No, I'm not. I'm saying that it, you look like the, there's a certain like uh, that cartoon fucking Wojak guy or whatever the the meme that people send around. Oh, to react stuff. is that it's what like, the name of that dude? I was, yeah, I, yeah. honestly, I misheard you. I thought you said Bojack. I thought you said, is that the horse cartoon? I've seen that picture. <laughs> I have a pitch. It's funny. You. It's a cartoon and he's an alcoholic horse. The horse is depressed. That's the pitch. <laughs> and also he's an alcoholic. They say, do you want to live? Not that great of a person, but he's trying to get better. They say, do you want to live? He says, nay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Andy? Is that? Please tell me. I, said. No. I was just gonna uh, ask Michael if uh, he had uh, any other sh- anything coming out uh, that's uh, he wants oh. to plug. I know, I know. Um, of course, you know people can still watch uh, Girl, uh, Woman in the House across the street from the Girl in the Window. If I got that, oh, right. very good. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, right. Yeah. And yeah, wow. he can't remember. I've been practicing. I got everything that's else good. wrong, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Can't, can't, get, can't get anything in my plugs correct, but you got yours. That's good. <laughs> Well, I think I well, think you know, the green space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Production is shut down now because of the strikes. Yes, yeah, exactly. I was uh, surprised if it was. Yeah. Yeah, I squeezed in a couple of. I did a couple episodes of a, um, a show called American Rust that Jeff Daniels is in, and oh, yeah. uh, and that was the re- re- dark cop drama, really good, uh, good cast. So yeah, the, those will come out. I I guess they're they're finishing them off, and I, I was really happy with with what we did and it's a good show. So that's, that'll, that'll come out and then it'll be a while because nothing has been happening. You know? We've been really, really loved your snowfall episodes, by the way. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, yeah I love that show. I hell of a show. Great yeah, time I, that show. Top yeah. notch show, and I think your episodes really were head and shoulders above the, uh, uh, so you know the surrounding uh, episodes at least. Thanks, Until they're thanks, on the show, and then that. those guys have the best shit. <laughs> I mean, the whole show's great. It's just no, notably great really. episodes of, uh, yes. of that show, of an already notably great show. Yeah, also, I mean, I mean, come on, there's a tiger in it. With uh, yeah. with with that's the... your metric. <laughs> yes. Well, he did say that about Mean Streets too. That's that's you know what you're not wrong about that. So. But the the Jeff Daniels thing is uh, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, well, Dumb and Dumber came out the same year that Airheads did. And it's kind yeah. of, uh, I, I feel like it's fascinating that, like, he takes a lot of, like, very serious, like, indie roles now and, like, you know, dramatic roles. And it's the same kind of thing, I feel like, with someone like Buscemi, where he's, like, very funny, but, uh, you know, at the same time, like, is very good at doing, like, the dramatic indie roles. Yeah. Well, Je Jeff is very proud of uh, Dumb and Dumber. He, this is, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him about it a lot, but he certainly, you know, considers it good work, which it is, you know. So you guys know it's harder to do comedy than to do anything it is. else. I mean, it yes. really is. It's just yeah. so if somebody if you've seen this show, you you it. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, he's he's a he's a good guy, Jeff. Very you know, and a very committed actor and a, a, a good person to work with. I had a good time. With him. I just watched uh, the Squid and the Whale for the first time in like you know in years uh, because we we talked about like uh, kicking and screaming. And he, he absolutely like kills it, and that is a like an unreliable dad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 a uh, uh, there, there's a lot to love about Squid and the Whale. Yeah, it's it's a, but Jeff Daniels is a he's one of those guys that is equally good at comedy as as he is uh, at drama, and that's you know that yeah. that should be celebrated because I think people think that think that it's easy. Of course, you think that it's easy. It's it, yeah, it is not. See, I've, I've never thought it was easy. Some people seem to. Well, think a lot of people think that you know, if you're a dramatic actor and then you do a comedy, oh, you're 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 loosening up, you're letting, you're doing something easy, you're doing something that's not so serious. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, no, no, no. It's so much harder to get the comedy right. It's and good the to be diverse and just switch things up. Look at how Odenkirk like blew everyone's minds, right? Of like just how yeah. great he is, and it's it's like, okay, so are you starting to get the fact that like if you're a great if you're a great comedic actor that you can do drama but yeah the other way around doesn't always work so no. it should always be celebrated for sure yeah. i feel like with odenkirk though it it works really well because it wasn't a character that was written as someone that was going to be on the show like forever you know what i yeah. mean like so he was able to come in for that uh dramatic sorrow and kind of give it like energy and then all of a sudden it was like oh you're like on the show for like the rest of look the at time. walter goggins first season of justified he was not yeah. meant to be beyond that first nope. season they were like that first episode definitely you're yeah. right and it was like this guy's amazing let's keep let's keep writing yeah. him in stuff he's great yeah, and and like look at him now, you know, doing okay. The same thing with yeah, uh, yeah. with Mike in Breaking Bad too. Like, I think he was written for oh, one yeah. episode, and then yeah. they're like, "No, we you, like Jonathan Banks needs to just keep coming back." Well, Jonathan Banks was in like what, he's in Community, and he, I mean, he's been in a few other things. But like, yeah, that yeah. was definitely people like who this guy. Like, he's yeah. a great like there. There's the the that guy rules, but then there's the this guy rules too. He's definitely a this guy. This guy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. So. Final thoughts, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's your birthday. Wanna, I could, I could do, I could do this. No, anyone want to um, throw in some final thoughts, Michael? Do you well, have anything that? Yeah, we, why don't we? We didn't, we didn't get to, or uh, you know. No, I mean, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm just happy you guys want to talk about this movie because Airheads kind of got 
it got a little lost. It, it played a lot on Comedy Central, and it was a huge flop when it came out. You know, it was not a box office success. Um, it, it was really in one of those um, one of those press junket things a few years later, where somebody was talking to me and they they mentioned Airheads, and I said, "Yeah, it's too bad. Nobody likes that movie." And she stopped and she looked at me and she said, "Are you kidding me?" I said, "No, the movie was a it wasn't a success. Nobody paid any attention." And she said, oh, no, people love that movie. And I'd never heard that. This was, you know, five years after it came out. I just never heard it. I said, oh, oh, well, that's good. Good to know that somebody liked it. So that, that movie always, I loved the film, and I, we had such a great time doing it. So for you guys now, 30 years later, to say, <laughs> will you talk about Airheads? I'm like, yeah, you bet. That was, There's that was a, a the, yeah. the, the reactions that we got to like putting up the thing and being like, hey, Mike Lehman's going to come back. We're going to talk about Airheads. It's like so many people being like, oh, it's so good. Like, this is a movie that I definitely want to hear discussed. There was like, uh, definitely. Yeah. I got a whole bunch of comments like that, which a lot it, of it, people don't usually comment on the episode art either. Like, th yeah. there, there are movies that are near objective masterpieces that people are like, yeah, yeah, fine. We get it. You have a movie show. It's like, oh, fine. <laughs> like yeah, people yeah. want, people were excited about Airheads. Uh, Eddie Gabo of the band Something Is Waiting says, said it was his favorite film of all time. Oh, wow. And that he has a Good. signed poster in his house. So there Ooh, you go. That's amazing. Sign, signed by who? I have no idea. I didn't ask him. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's my label mate. You want me to call? <laughs> Who's it signed by? He's like, oh, it's signed by the crafts, uh, the craft services guy. Over the yeah, 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 he did next to the He was smoking that turkey. Guy, and, uh, <laughs> Exactly. He's the true. He's the true hero. Like when they're, you're yeah. the true hero. Yeah. Um, Christina, you got some uh, final thoughts going on? Oh yeah. When I was younger, I did find this movie on Comedy Central, and I eventually like rented it. And I was like, because you know how they change up the, some stuff. <laughs> I, I found out I was like, this movie's great. Signed by Joe Montana. Joe Montana, yeah. which is is a multi-layer joke, and I appreciate that, Steve. It is, Thank you. yeah, yeah, that's that's very good. Sorry, Christina, I mean, it yeah. wasn't. I uh, I, I found it because my German grandmother, uh, was was trying to buy movies for. She was like, she we moved up here so that she could uh, babysit me when I like in my brother when we, when I was a kid. My mom was going back to school. And she didn't know like anything about kids or like how to deal with kids or anything. So she bought a bunch of movies from like the library fair that like seemed like they were silly that kids would want to watch. And like the first one on the top of the stack was Airheads. It was like Airheads and like Cool Running. And uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> yeah. oh god! But I think this is a really good like Gen X comedy. I thought that, you know, even yes. my dad loved this movie. He was like, yo, you know, you got at because he was a huge fan of Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi. And I myself am in love with Steve Buscemi. So, but I just think that, you know. She even says it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Um, I at least asked because I was like, I, 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 look, my name's Conan. Like, how many people have yeah. mispronounced my name over the years, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, we didn't yeah. even talk about the line when uh, – when fucking uh they're the radio station at first he's like he's like conan uh you know give us give us the mic or something and he like he's like <laughs> i 
Oh. Uh, this is definitely one of my favorite comedies of all time. I, I don't think a lot of people appreciated it when it first came out, but it's clearly developed like a cult following because it's yeah. very much memeified and like, you know, some certain like memes about the movie, like little clips and scenes get viral. So, yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, what the what's wrong with you? Fix your life. Fix your heart. Sorry about that phone ringing there. I can't do it. This, I'm, I'm, at my, I'm at my mother's house. My 95-year-old mother's house, and she has a landline that rings. Aw. <laughs> yeah. you, uh, you know, uh, who else? Uh, oh, fuck, who is it? I can't, I can't, uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, Norma Finkelstein. <laughs> like, I was on with Jason Miles uh, for his birthday show, and he's, like, he's opining about this uh, you know, heavy topic and, like, you know, like the slaves and the Negro spirituals and this, that, and the other. Freaking phone won't stop ringing the whole time. I'm like, who's calling this man? He's busy. He's on. He's on a show. Like, stop Wait, calling, calling him. They're calling uh, Jason and Norman Finkelstein. F uh, Norm. They're calling yeah. Norm. And like, I, I was like, so, so of course, just I Alan Dershowitz calling him over and over again to try to get him fired from uh, the stream. <laughs> <laughs> so of course, I come in hot. It's like the first thing I say on that show because I was like, I, I gotta liven this up. This is, you know, like a funeral, <laughs> more like a birthday celebration. Anyway, whatever. That's that's a story about how I busted balls for Norm Finkelstein for his phone ringing. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> anything else christina oh nope all right andy you got some final thoughts yeah you know i do remember uh when this movie came out how um uh, a lot of guys were really pissed off at uh brendan fraser at the time and i think it's probably because they were just jealous of how good looking he was mm. um but yeah there, there was a lot of hate uh towards him in high school at least uh, i remember but then like i uh i remember like i did not see it in the theater Unfortunately, I wish I did, uh, but they did have it at the library, and I rented out of the library with uh, library Cuthbert Island. Movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that Cuthbert Island. <laughs> yeah, it's Library Corps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I absolutely fell in love with it. That's where uh, Michael gets the most royalties is the library, actually. Yeah, the library. They send me uh, five. Five cents for he gets paid in periodicals, though. That's the yeah. problem. Well, they say having fun isn't periodical. hard. Cat, when, uh, he's in some cat fancy. I don't know why. They right. say yeah. having fun isn't hard when you've got a library card. Every time you, know, you check yeah. out Airheads from the library, they, they reduce his uh, late fees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, have to, we have to pay Michael Levin. I'm sorry. We can't waive the late fees. <laughs> No, no, there's, there's some but, things we cannot yeah, do. No. And, and uh, like, like I said earlier, this movie did like uh, it was the first time I ever heard uh, Lemmy, for, you know, uh, Motorhead. Uh, for, first yeah. time I ever heard the the Ramones. So, so like this movie is kind of important to me musically too. So, so um, thank you so much for for like expanding my world uh, and, and new and wonderful oh. directions. Well, you're you're welcome. That's what we do it for. But also I already knew all that ever... stuff, so you didn't expand yeah, anything. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the first time you also uh, looked up uh, news of B. Arthur, this movie, too, and you're like, hey, I wonder. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Conan? Uh, this is a lovable and laughable good time. An impeccable stacked cast. Uh, Well-filmed, well-paced. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, possibly the, the funnest role and funniest that uh, Joe Montana ever had. And uh, eminently quotable, great music. Uh, there's, uh, I feel like it's it's unfairly forgotten about, and this is it's it's actually really cool to not only talk about this film, but uh, to have Michael on and, and tell us all the the insider uh, scoops on it because I think it's underrated. Yeah, good. 
now we got to have you on for uh, Hudson Hawk, and then we'll have the have the, the yes. trio. Talk about misunderstood. It's like that in Ishtar, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can get me and Warren Beatty on at the same time, and we'll talk about those two movies. Maybe only if he does it in Dick Tracy outfit. Yeah. Though. That's the only thing. Oh, you, mean, you, mean like, you mean like this? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we had that in there. <laughs> we all, we also wow, have you got that up pretty that. quick. <laughs> yeah, we, also, we also have the one where it's him and uh, Halle Berry dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. Bull, we did do Bull Bull yeah. We did do it. Yep. And uh, have used that gif every single time. I think the, we got more mileage from the gifts than the episode, frankly, if you want to <laughs> yeah. be true about it. <laughs> well, it all did right. be like that. We're going to hop over to the old, uh, the old after party and keep birthday celebrating it up. Uh, right. this, was a, this was a good episode. Yeah.